You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Ho, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Oz Network for Christmas month, even though it's sort of a little bit into the month already. Uh, we are here to bring you four weeks worth of Christmas goodness. It might be a little bit less weeks. than four weeks, because in four weeks... Days, so, maybe? Yeah, days too. Uh, <laughs> depends on how we feel. Uh, four episodes worth of Christmas goodness as we celebrate Christmas in the best possible fashion with Tim Allen, everybody's favourite man who brings you things down your chimney. We're here to talk about the very first in a trilogy of movies called The Santa Claus. Uh, this was first released in 1994. And i got to say, uh, I've been excited to do some movies on this show, uh, but this is maybe one of the more strangest ones that I'm so excited to uh, to cover. My name is Ben, and just like the Coco in this movie, this podcast will take 1,200 years to perfect. And my name is Colin, and remember, kids, nothing's more painful than third-degree burns. <laughs> Oh, I love this movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing to admit straight away, but, um, I mean, this is legitimately a tradition for me. This is every Christmas Eve I will watch this movie. So uh, I've been doing it for at least 20 years. Um, you know, I think basically as soon as it came out on VHS, I've done it every single year since. Uh, this and the uh, Vicar of Dibley Christmas episode is my uh, traditional Christmas Eve. But, um, yeah, I mean, so many people talk up their favourite Christmas movies. I actually got to write, uh, when I was at the newspaper, uh, I actually got to do in sort of our Saturday magazine, um, write top five Christmas movies, and I put this at number one. So um, the citizens of Hobart were subjected to my uh, viewpoint there when it came to that. But, uh, yeah. What were the other ones in the top five? Um, I had uh, Jingle All The Way. Uh, <laughs> was it a top five or was it a top three? Uh, I think I had Die Hard uh, in there. Of course I had Die Hard. I mean, that's a oh, Christmas movie. Better. Um, I'm pretty sure I might have had Love Actually in there. Just, you know, I tried to be diversified a little bit for the readers, you know what I mean? Like, you know, just not being all completely me. Um, maybe it was a top four, because I don't think I remember anything outside of that. But, uh, yeah, that, mu- that must have been my... <laughs> Fuck, I can't remember. I know Santa wow. Claus was in there, Die was in there, Jingle All The Way was in there, and Love Actually was in there. So I'm guessing it was a four. But um, I love this movie. I don't know if we're going straight into our background. Just, we're meant to do initial impressions, first of all. But yes, I love this movie. <coughs> Sorry, I'm coughing there. Um, <laughs> not laughing at you. Uh, although first. I will laugh. I mean, <laughs> Jingle All The Way, top five of all time. Come on. There's nothing wrong with an Arnold Schwarzenegger has to try and find a Christmas oh. toy for Anakin Skywalker movie. Come on. <laughs> I will say, I mean, I love Love Actually, but uh, really, I, I you like a romantic movie? I do. <laughs> I, well, it's it's it almost makes fun of romantic movies, so True. it's great. And it, the Liam Neeson, I mean Liam Neeson, right? Well, so Hugh, Hugh Grant that, for me. I mean, Come on, yeah, Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson. I mean, everybody's good in that movie. Um, but I, I would say the same thing. This is in my top two. Uh, my other ones are probably a little bit more respectable than yours. I mean, I'd put a Christmas story in there. I'd put Christmas Vacation. Uh, overrated. Maybe White Christmas. No. Um, but yeah, it would be this and Die Hard for me. And those are like like easily the two top ones. And those are my two Christmas traditions. Like every other Christmas movie, although I will say I've probably seen Christmas Vacation or Christmas Story every single year, but Die Hard and Santa Claus are the ones where I have to watch them. Yeah. You know, you said you don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think for anybody who grew up watching this movie, I mean, the Honest trailer for this came out recently, and they kind of poked fun at, you know, 
this movie being considered a classic just because people grew up on it. And it's like, well, it was only because you were a kid. Now that you're older, you don't realize it's a bad movie. I don't think this is a bad movie at all. I think this is a great movie. Uh, and I think the reviews for this movie, you know, uh, kind of you know, hold up to that as well. I mean, it still has a really good um, uh, reception. And I think that there's still a lot of fans for it. Uh, even the sequels, I mean, you'll see them on TV every single year, and you're not going to have that if the movie... You don't see Dudley Moore's Santa Claus from 1985 <laughs> on TV every year. You see this every year a million times. And yeah, it's easily a uh, Christmas classic movie, and also one I watch every year, uh, including about you know 30 minutes ago. So uh, this isn't a Christmas Eve tradition for me now. It is a couple of weeks, or depending on when this airs, a couple of days before Christmas. Look, and, and that I will admit that felt so weird watching this for the preparation of this because it's kind of it's so set in my head that I only watch this movie on Christmas Eve for me. That I mean, I will still watch it on Christmas Eve this year. I'm not going to skip it now that we're doing it like sort of the extra viewing of it. But um, it's kind of like, you know, when it, this is always obviously, yeah, same here. It's always on TV and, um, you know, we'll be flicking channels and it'll be on. And, you know, I'll kind of watch it for five minutes. But like, no, this is too weird. I can't watch it now. It's not Christmas Eve. Um, so, yeah, it did feel a little bit strange uh, watching this kind of in the lead up. But at the same time, it's kind of I know this movie so well that... Um, you know, to kind of date this a little bit, like sort of in the lead up to recording this, I probably watched this two weeks ago because uh, I thought, you know, we initially planned to record this a little bit earlier than we did. So I'm that confident on my knowledge and my notes that I didn't feel I needed to kind of refresh my memory on watching it again. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, I love The Honest Traders. I watch them every single week, no matter what they are, even if it's a movie I haven't seen. But um, the one thing I do notice they haven't done a lot lately, they did it particularly with Space Jam earlier this year. They do like to shit all over these 1990s movies where they're like, you think yeah. it's a classic, but it's actually really shit. And, like, like I laughed mm-hmm. at the Space Jam one just because of the subtle little things, how they mentioned about how, like, this is the worst officiated basketball game in the history of basketball, which is <laughs> kind of true. But, like, at the same time, it's like, dude, it's Space Jam. You don't knock Space Jam. Like, you know, once upon a time, space jam. once upon a time, you used to be able to say, you don't knock Kevin Spacey, but like, yeah, <laughs> kind of can't not Dating say this that. podcast again. <laughs> yes. uh, did you say you would knock Space Jam, Colin? Like, yeah, I would knock Space Jam. That's terrible. Okay. You're ne- <laughs> not the Santa Claus. You're never doing Space Jam with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have to do Space Jam. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I guess kind of just, I guess our personal background with this movie, and I, as I kind of said, I mean... I think I I never saw this at the cinemas, but I'm pretty sure I remember sort of, you know, this coming out on VHS uh, and watching it pretty much the first Christmas after. So, like, you know, 95, I would have been, what, eight. Um, And because I think kind of... I know you're obviously a a mad Tim Allen fan and loved Home Improvement. I I watched uh, Home Improvement growing up, of course, with my dad. Um, There was sort of an ongoing joke in my family that... uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor was like the same as my dad because you know my dad was a painter, <laughs> kind of did some home improvement stuff. So like my dad used to be all like, hey, ho, 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 like you know, just you know, <laughs> that's the way he grunts. Hey, I can't do a Tim Allen grunt. Hey? Like <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know how he goes, the Tim Allen grunt. <laughs> it's kind of like this. Hey, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> <laughs> Insert I, I've watched enough, I'm right here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that kind oh. of where it came of oh. a oh, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, just it, it became a Christmas Eve tradition for me, and um, yeah, I mean that's kind of really my history with it. Uh, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot more sort of to add. I I do admit I have trouble spelling Santa Claus because I'll always add an e to the end of it because I'm so <laughs> just used to this one having seen it. Um, so there's kind of that. 
And, um, yeah, I mean, just little subtle things about this movie that I've kind of, you know, in everyday life. So, like, when we get to the Denny's scene, I'll have, like, a fun story around Denny's, which is just, like, the most obscure thing. Um, and just little things like that. So, um, yeah, and I guess this is where it started the uh, Judge Reinhold fandom because, you know, I mean, everybody's a Judge Reinhold fan, are they not? <laughs> of course. Uh, but, like, even just, like, you know, little things, like a lot of the actors in this one kind of that were so tied to a lot of other things that I liked. I mean, Randy, Wendy Crewson's like, everything. Uh, you know, she's, like, the first lady in uh, Air Force One, is she not? And among many other things that she's in. Um, 24. Yeah, 24, yeah. yeah slept with David Palmer. Yes, yes, of course. Um, Eric Lloyd, I've randomly seen him popped up. Uh, the Bar- Barabbas the Elf, <laughs> Bernard. <laughs> um, oh, David Crumholtz. I mean, he's been in it. Like, the one thing I remember him from, which is funny, because as a big ER fan, he was involved in, like, this... Um, storyline around uh my favorite character carter and then the my the this girl i was like in love with on the show was like a 10 year old uh lucy he was like this crazy patient who stabbed both of them and killed like lucy one of like the top five storylines in er like shocking episodes so i remember i used to always then rewatch santa Claus. like i hate you bernard you killed lucy um but anyway i'm rabbiting that's my history Uh, I mean, we're going to have fandom over all these actors here. You know, this For a movie that was sold all on Tim Allen, I mean, we have such a great cast that came out of this movie. Uh, but you kind of mentioned, I mean, I'm a massive Tim Allen fan. And I think if you grew up in the 90s, you, you probably, if, at least if you're a boy, you loved Home Improvement. And I don't know if it was something for me because, you know, my dad died when I was only eight. So uh, I always told people that Tim Allen was my male role model growing up. And <laughs> it's funny, there's a lot of areas of my life where I could actually see that, you know, Tim Allen was like my father figure. And I, I took influence from even that TV show. So, I mean, that TV show is like very important to me uh, because I did grow up on it. And I think, you know, as somebody who, you know, whose dad did die young, it was like an important show for me to have, you know, as a young boy. But Anything with Tim Allen, I was going to freak out over, and this was his first movie. Uh, I didn't see it opening weekend. I remember uh, I had one friend who also was like a huge Tim Allen fan, and we were desperate to see this movie. We didn't go the opening weekend. I think we went the second or third weekend. And uh, I mentioned I had a funny story about seeing this opening night. Uh, So we show up at the theater. It was Portage Place uh, Cinemas, downtown Winnipeg. And um, it was basically a third floor, and... There was like uh, um, this uh, railing that went all around the the whole third floor and you could look down into the main lobby. And we get there and we're like, the lineup is going all the way around the third floor. And we're like, is it this crazy for the Santa Claus? The thing's been out for a week or two, you know? And we see like this table and they've got like, you know, people signing autographs and everything. We're thinking like, well, what does this have to do with the Santa Claus? Is one of the actors here? Then we see people like dressed in Star Trek costumes. We realize Star Trek Generations came out that day. (laughs) So we're standing in line for 45 minutes, you know, the opening of, you know, a Star Trek movie, which I mean, Star Trek is even bigger in Canada than it is in America. But this was like, you know, combining Next Generation with, so you had William Shatner and Patrick Stewart in a movie together. So it was a huge deal when it came out. And I remember us standing in line and we were legitimately asking people in line, you know, these these two, I think we were 13 when it came out, two 13-year-old boys were like, which movie are you going to see? And they're looking at us funny. They're like, 
Star Trek, of course. <laughs> and we're like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, us too. And then <laughs> we go through the entire line. And every t- time we see a person, oh, you're here to see Star Trek? It's like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see Picard. <laughs> and we get to the front of the line and we under our breath, like, two for the Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> duck through the shadows into the theater, hoping none of these Star Trek fans were going to beat us up or something. But, uh, yeah, that was my experience seeing the first time. And, I, and again, I love the movie. And I'm not going to say it was just because I was a Tim Allen fan, because to be perfectly honest, Every other movie he released after this, with the exception of Galaxy Quest, I really didn't care for. Oh, Jungle to I mean, Jungle? Jungle? Come on. I didn't, you know, the funny thing is I didn't see Jungle to Jungle until years later, and I didn't mind that one. But had I seen it at the time, I don't know if I would have freaked out over it. Uh, what was it? For Richard or Poor, he did with Christy oh, Alley. kind of hated it. Oh, God, I love those movies. <laughs> oh, I mean, but Galaxy Quest. Like, yes. Oh, maybe one, one Tim Allen movie that I love even more than the Santa Claus. Uh, and, and I think later he did like Joe Somebody, and I'm actually kind of a fan of Joe Somebody and some of his others. But yeah, early on, it was just home improvement in this. And uh, it, it, I think pretty much from that first year on, this was just have to watch this movie at Christmas. And I, I remember a few years where I was like, oh, it's Christmas Eve, we've got to watch the Santa Claus. And everybody else was like, oh, that's great, Colin. And I was sitting there getting into it, looking at their watch, you know. Hey, when are we going to watch Christmas Vacation, you know? I was about to say we need to do a Tim Allen month, even though we're technically doing one now. Um, but, like, we're doing <laughs> Tim Allen Christmas month. But, like, Jungle to Jungle. I mean, for Richard, I'm probably maybe a bigger Kirstie Allen fan than I am of, of Tim Allen. Uh, Galaxy Quest um god i mean technically you know toy joe story I, I don't think i've actually ever seen joe somebody funnily enough um oh. wild hogs of course um oh yes god so many anyway um can we just before we get into this can we say tim allen you know gets kind of a lot of criticism for especially i remember when it comes to toy stories you know there have been several jokes i think even one of the oscar hosts made a joke about you know toy story 3 when it was nominated for best picture it's like the movie stars one of the greatest actors in Hollywood history. And the other one is Tim Allen. I think it was Ricky Gervais when he was hosting. And people are kind of make fun of Tim Allen because like, well, who's Tim Allen anymore? But like, find another TV star that had that kind of fame outside of TV. And you know, we should mention at the time this movie came out, he had the number one movie at the box office, the number one show on TV, and the number one best-selling book hmm. all in a single week. I mean what bill cosby tried making movies and they flopped you know uh pretty much any sitcom stars look at what happened with the friends cast i mean oh yeah this was very unusual to have a sitcom star achieve this much fame and although you know some of his movies are kind of hit and miss and not the biggest hits i mean he probably still has more success in movies than any other sitcom star of the 90s well maybe even past that well last man standing's sort of semi-popular isn't it still i mean is that still on or uh well it's kind of a weird situation where ABC canceled it because they didn't own the show, so they weren't making enough money off of it. But it was the highest rated. I think it was like the second highest rated sitcom on the whole network. He, to me, he's kind of, and this is a weird comparison, so bear with me. He's kind of like an Adam Sandler that they have a fan base, and yet they might not necessarily put out the most critical things in the world, but they don't give a shit because they have a fan yeah, base. Exactly. And what do they need to change for? I mean. The difference yeah. is, is Adam Sandler can actually really act when he wants to, but he just doesn't care because he likes doing his goofy films. Whereas, I mean, I'm not saying Tim Allen can't act. I just don't know if we've ever really seen him in an overly dramatic role where he's, you know, tried out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, it's a very good point because, I mean, you know, as a huge Friends fan, I mean, God, 90s and Friends movies, uh, like the actors, oh. like, are we ever going to cover the esteemed Matt LeBlanc film, Ed, uh, with the... <laughs> can we? Uh, well, we... 
<laughs> we will do Lost in Space. Oh, we well. know that much. <laughs> Which, you know, I actually think Matt LeBlanc, quite decent as a serious actor. But, um, God, I mean, I mean, I guess Matthew Perry had the, uh, the whole nine yards in that, didn't he? Um, and well, like one movie. Yeah. And it took him several movies to get there. And, but even yeah. look at, like, more recent, like, how much success did Ray Romano have in movies? And he had several big attempts, and it True. never really worked well, out. Well, isn't there whispers that he could get a, a sneaky nomination for The Big Sick? Um, which I actually think he was oh, yeah, that's right. pretty okay in. I mean, it wasn't. I think Holly Hunter was better, but, uh, you know, Ray Romano, decent. Anyway, we're not here to talk about 90s. We're going to get on Fran Drescher again if we're not careful here, Colin. So, <laughs> but uh, There's another one, Beautician of the Beast, flopped. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting just, you know, I, I really think a lot of the background of this, the fact that you sort of mentioned, you know, this is his first film role, which is kind of weird to think. Um, and just some of the other casts that they were kind of thinking about being in this, uh, you know, in this role, I guess, of Scott Calvin Santa Claus. I mean, according, you know, to IMDb here, people like Bill Murray, you know, Tom Hanks, Harrison Ford, uh, Chevy Chase. Yeah, Chevy. I mean, Chevy Chase kind of would be someone you'd probably maybe expect because he, I guess, would have that huge reputation from uh, Christmas Vacation, which is probably my least favorite of the Vacation series. Can I just say that right now? Oh, uh, <laughs> you lost us, our listeners again. Well, actually, I guess you know, except for the new one. I mean, does that even count? <laughs> oh no, no. But um, I, I, that's that's a, that'd be a fun month for us to do the vacation. There's only four of them, isn't there? We could cover them in a month. Yeah, you know, four real ones. Yeah, yeah, no, good, good, good film series, I would say. But uh, yeah, I mean, like obviously this is a you know a Disney film. I kind of like this uh, <laughs> the the trivia here of Tim Allen had a criminal record, and Disney had no hiring of ex cons <laughs> policy. An exception was made in this case. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have any much background because there's not a whole lot I find kind of on. What happened with this? I mean, it was filmed in uh, it was filmed in Canada, um, yeah. in the Greater Toronto area, um, and outside of that, it uh, sort of switched onto the Walt because apparently it was going to be released differently. But then Walt Disney picked it up. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if you kind of have too much on the on the background here that I kind of haven't mentioned there. Um, I, I mean, just that I think this is coming maybe a year after Disney bought ABC Network, and I remember. It's funny, we're living in a world now where Disney buys Marvel, Disney buys Star Wars and Lucasfilm, and you know you don't even bat an eye. This was kind of the first big acquisition that Disney had outside of Disney when they bought the ABC network. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at it, Disney basically has probably no greater relationship with any actor than they had with Tim Allen, because you have the Santa Claus trilogy, you have the Toy Story movies, you have Home Improvement. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, even Wild Hogs is technically released under Disney banner. It's similar to what you said. Disney operates other studios that they'll use for things that they don't want to be associated with the Disney name. So if it's an R-rated movie, maybe it'll be released under, you know, Buena Vista or something. And that was the original idea for this. You can kind of see a little bit of that in the adult humor. Um, but obviously the movie was going to play huge to both adults and kids, you know, adults because of Tim Allen in it and kids just because, you know, it's a Santa Claus movie and it's fun and it's, it's kind of about kids. Um, so it was the right decision to make to release it for Disney. This wasn't really a period where Disney live action movies were that big either. Cause uh, I mean, they had only recently made the comeback with animated movies, you know, little mermaid kind of started that Disney comeback and that was only five years prior to this. Live action movies, I can't think of any real big ones that Disney released under the Disney name around this time period. So uh, I think between ABC and, you know, Tim Allen coming on for this, 
you could almost let's just say Tim Allen is the man that saved Disney. That's what I'm going to claim going forward. <laughs> well, I mean, you, I think you're pretty much onto something there, really. Uh, you know, between this and Toy Story a year later, I mean, holy crap! So, um, another thing, just to show you know the connections that it wasn't just Disney saying we're buying ABC Network, and you know, there's obviously some involvement there. The director of this movie, John Pasquin, he basically directed almost every episode of Home Improvement for the first few seasons. Uh, and he's another guy who's had a lot of, you know, connections to Tim Allen and everything. I mean, I think he did Joe Somebody after this he did as Jungle well. To Jungle to Jungle. Jungle. Yeah. And Miss Congeniality yeah. too, Armed and Fabulous. Yeah, oh, <laughs> there's one we'll be covering soon. <laughs> oh, we're going to at least do the first Miss Congeniality. Come on, that's a great film. Um, but, <laughs> oh, but no. Yeah. Tim, I went on my first Allen, date man. to that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was 13. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Still single? 27 uh, years later? Oh, 17. I was going to say 27 years. How old am I? Jesus Christ. You should have taken her to the Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. <laughs> no. Or Joe somebody. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, even kind of uh, looking at um, when it comes down to uh, the Disney film sort of in the lead up, like the Christmas ones. So this is kind of uh, off the back of the year before they had The Nightmare Before Christmas. And the year before that, they had A Muppet Christmas Carol, which is another one which I kind of like. I always forget about that movie. That had um, Michael Caine in it, did it not? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a good one. Whatever happened to that movie? I haven't watched that in a while. Um, but Whatever happened to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sitting somewhere. I mean, it's still around. It's deleted from memory. Um, has anyone ever done that with a movie? Just deleted a movie? Like, no. Nah. We're not. We're never having that movie again. Probably Dirty Dancing would be not a nice sure one. Some, like Nazi propaganda films out there <laughs> have been erased from existence. I do like just looking here at the uh, template here for Disney Christmas films. That in 2013 uh, they followed up the Muppet Christmas Carol with Lady Gaga and the Muppets Holiday Spectacular. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Coming soon to the Oz Network. <laughs> um, Muppets sold out. <laughs> but uh, the, the cast, I mean, we, we obviously touched on it. I mean, I don't really a whole lot over the kind of what we've already added, but, you know, oh, Tim Allen's in this movie. There you go. Um, <laughs> Judge Reinhold. Oh, what a man. What a mighty fine man getting uh, arrested recently. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when, when have the words ever been uttered on a podcast recently? Of I love Judge Reinhold. Uh, <laughs> It should be more often. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, Beverly Hills Cop, of course. Um, I remember he was in a random TV movie. Um, it was like about a car that, like, couldn't stop or something. Um, oh, Runaway Car. That's what it was called. Uh, pretty, pretty standard. <laughs> this is- that totally just sounded like that Simpsons episode where Homer's like, it was about a bus that speed couldn't drop below the speed 50, or else the bus would explode. I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. Um, yeah, I can see the, the car that couldn't stop. <laughs> but, like, legitimately, there's a movie called Runaway Car. I remember they always play it here, and I recorded it once because I realized it was a TV movie. Um, it was so over the top and bad. Uh, I mean, legitimately, the synopsis. A nurse apprentice who had a bad day at work meets a computer programmer at a car garage. The, the man, he's urged to go somewhere, but his car is not ready yet, so the nurse offers him a ride. Be- a ride. Before leaving the man, they must pick up the nurse's baby nephew. Once on the street, they almost run over a young man. Not knowing if he's hurt, they pick up the man too, but the worst luck begins when the car breaks, break down. The brakes of the car break down. There we go. Uh, 
Runaway Car, coming soon to the Oz I Network. Think the movie was called <laughs> Your Nephew Killed My Car. <laughs> um, any other Judge Reinhold phantom moments for you? I've started on Beverly Hills Cop yeah, and well, Runaway Car. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, prior to that, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and um, I didn't even realize he was in Gremlins, or if he did, I, I forgot he was in Gremlins here. Uh, but it's funny because, you know, we talked recently uh, when we were talking about both Star Wars and Jurassic Park about how, you know, it's cool to like this person. It's not cool. Like it was cool to like Ian Malcolm, but not necessarily cool to like Alan Grant. Cool to like Han Solo, not cool to like Luke Skywalker. I felt like growing up, I was like uncool because I liked Judge Reinhold because <laughs> of these movies. Because it's not like, you know most people at least young people watching these movies are going to see neil and they be like this guy's awesome but i mean i just had this appreciation for just him being such a dud and playing it so well <laughs> and i can remember you know as i got older and seeing some of those other movies like beverly hills cop and fast times at ridgemont high and i'd be like judge reinhold's in this and you know my mom would look at me like what did i raise you to be <laughs> You're better than this. <laughs> I want Jamie on this episode to like find a movie when he's been shirtless to be all like, "Oh, Judge Reinhold, yeah, <laughs> sexy." Um, well, yeah, we'll get into some of Jamie's comments on this movie. <laughs> there, there is nobody who is free from uh, Jamie's um, uh, objectifying. Oh, what is she <laughs> like finding Tim Allen's man boobs hot in this film? Um, I, we'll, we'll get that. Um, <laughs> Obviously, Wendy Cruzin we've been over. Uh, Eric Lloyd. I mean, this is this was his this his first role, or was he kind of let's let's. Uh, I don't know if you know much about this. I'm answering this question. No, it wasn't his first role. He's been in other things, um, but I mean, he's gone on to kind of be random places here and there, hasn't he? I mean, he's hasn't gone on to be a big star or anything, but I mean, he's kind of you know there and thereabouts every now and then. Yeah, you know, I thought I had seen him in something prior to this, and now I'm seeing he was in the movie Greedy with Michael J. Fox, and I think. Before I had Tim Allen, Michael J. Fox was my hero. So, um, yeah, I obviously, you know, he, he should have been my idol growing up because uh, he got to be in movies with all the best actors. But, I mean, not a lot he's done since then, but I think he still had a lot of fame. And this was a, an interesting period during the 90s where kids being in movies, it wasn't a big deal like it is now. And I feel like he kind of came out of this movie with a little bit of um, uh, reputation is not the right word, but there was recognition of him after this movie, and he would pop up. You'd be, oh, that's the kid from this. You know, you watch other movies uh, from this time period, and you don't notice the kids unless they're the kids from Jurassic Park. You know, <laughs> uh, so this is very early in the you know kids in kids movies actually having decent roles. So uh, I'm gonna have uh, some criticism of him in this movie, but I'm also gonna defend him a lot. I'm interested to hear your take because you kind of have this <laughs> hatred for children. <laughs> when they're bad, when they're good, they're okay. Yeah. Um, but he was apparently young Bruce Wayne in Batman and Robin. There you go. And he's obviously connected into freaking uh, some Wizard of Oz sort of animated thing because he's been in Toto Lost in New York, Virtual Oz, Christmas in Oz, where he plays Neddy. So, um, oh. I love the disdain when you said he's plays Neddy. <laughs> He was in Dunstan Checks In. We should do like a, a Monkeys in Movies month so we can cover Ed. <laughs> um, D David. That's the only way we could get Matt Blanc on here. D David Crumholtz, of course, is Bernard. And really outside of that, you know, I mean, kind of, obviously, I think, you know, maybe the biggest star out of that, Peter Boyle, of course, is in this film. Um, you know, random ones here and there. And did I read that John Goodman played actual Santa who dies? 
Um, that's on Wikipedia, but it's I, not on IMDb. I yeah. Else. I've never seen that anywhere else either, so that's kind of a weird one. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty decent cast actually. You know, I mean, Wendy Crewson, Jesus, she's just the every woman of the nineties, was she not? Whatever happened to Wendy Crewson? Where, 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 who is she oh, now? Where is she gone? She's... <laughs> no, it's funny you say that because if you're in Canada, I mean, she's a bigger star now than she was during the time of the Santa Claus movies. Um, you know, we've talked about this TV show in regards to several other actors. Uh, Erica Durant, who played Lois Lane, and um, uh, who's the other guy? The guy that played John Jameson in Spider-Man. They're both on this TV show, Saving Hope. This is kind of like a cross uh. between the Ghost Whisperer and Grey's Anatomy here in Canada. Huge show, and she was brought in, I think as a guest star in the first season, and it kind of evolved into one of the best roles on the show. But yeah, she does a ton of stuff here in Canada now, and it's pretty well known i only you know i had kind of heard in the past that she was from winnipeg which is my hometown if i haven't mentioned it before <laughs> uh but recently i've even found interviews where she talks about you know she basically grew up and went to school here in winnipeg and this is where she started acting so uh, i think there's a lot of people here in winnipeg especially that recognize her so uh whether she's as famous in canada as i'm saying i don't know but she's definitely famous here she won a canadian screen award for her work on saving hope so, um, oh, so well um, she's actually quite attractive for a woman who's 61. So, um, you know what's funny about that? <laughs> Jamie and I are watching this movie, and Jamie's like, Well, this his wife's kind of a dog, and I'm like, You know what? This, this lady... <laughs> wow, <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, she's wearing the baggy shirts and the tight mom, uh, mom jeans. That 1994, that was hot. That, that it's not. 2017 <laughs> but i'm like well you know what she got better looking with age and then she's like why what what else did she do i'm like well she was on saving hope it's like was she the hot doctor lady that was the milf on saving hope and i'm like yeah <laughs> she's like yeah she got way better looking with age well, i mean you know she's she's pretty lucky in life she's sort of you know being married to arnold schwarzenegger she's been you know in a relationship with dennis Haysbert. you know she's she's done harrison ford like i mean you know she she pulls you go it. through your resume <laughs> and you're like harrison ford <laughs> she's done dennis all this Haysbert, tim allen judge reinhold <laughs> The, the other funny thing is she basically slept with, like, every young, handsome guy on Saving Hope, despite her being old enough to be their, their mother. She's a cougar. And still, Judge Reinhold. <laughs> I used to always actually get her confused with, um, oh, what's her name? Tom Hanks' wife. Rita, Rita, not Rita Hanks. Rita who, sorry? Wilson. Yeah, her. Um, because, I don't know, they don't really look the same, but, um... Maybe it's because in Jingle All the Way, um, she plays Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but uh, let's start the movie. <laughs> we're thirty minutes in, and we haven't even started talking about this damn thing. Uh, so <laughs> we're about a third of the way through the movie if we're actually uh, doing a live commentary of this. But um, we start off. We're in a large office building, and uh, we've got a Christmas party going on here. Uh, and um, we've had record-breaking sales. It's a toy making company and uh he's uh tim allen uh scott calvin and uh his colleague what's her name i don't like her <laughs> she's um fat shamer does she have a name <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that she's the first one that you want to take offense to he basically cuts her off in the middle of her nice speech well and it's like oh you're 
Talk, you're a woman. Step aside. <laughs> well, it is 94. You can do this. Well, probably not now, because it's all been apologised for <laughs> 23 years later. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so they've, uh, they've had... Great success in uh, this season uh, of their toy sales with Do It All For Your Dolly. Um, you know, this is back before Facebook, back before smartphones, back before computers and the internet. Do It All For Your Dolly was the number one selling toy of 1994. And everybody's thrilled that it's been so successful. Um, Peter Boyle playing the boss, you know, congratulating you. As you said, they do this uh, thank you speech and Tim Allen cuts off this woman um, and makes a subtle little joke about um, uh, somebody's Johnson's secretary uh, getting it on with Santa. <laughs> I just love, like, the adult humour. Because, like, I mean, you never appreciate this with movies when you're young. Obviously, that's the point. But just like, but our families aren't here right now. That's why Johnson's secretary is sitting on his lap. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, what Johnson's secretary is about to go into a closet and have sex with Santa. Um <laughs> Which, you know, fair enough. But, uh, so, uh, <laughs> I just love the little thumbs up that the, sa- the guy in the Santa suit does. He's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're talking about dogs. I mean, his secretary is not the most attractive secretary. Like, I mean, if he's going <laughs> to, he's going to cheat on, like, his wife. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> she's a bit strange looking. Um, <laughs> I'm playing the Jamie role this episode. Um, so anyway, <laughs> S- Scott's running late. He's got to. Uh, he's he's obviously going to be looking after his son Charlie for Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve if we haven't already established that. And uh, he's driving through the mean streets of suburban Chicago, which are absolutely packed. Um, and I just love him on the phone, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be late. You'll never believe the traffic. Same to you. And that's not very ladylike. <laughs> oh, there's a problem right there. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. But um, we kind of get this nice little montage at the beginning, sort of him driving through the, the streets and everybody on Christmas Eve donating to the Salvation Army, looking in, you know, uh, Christmas windows and just uh, carolers. And it's just, as soon as I'm into this scene, it just reminds me of Christmas. It's just like, boom, Christmas. And I should point out, being Australian, we don't have winter uh, here for Christmas. It's summer. So, like, you know, we don't have snow. Uh, we don't have coldness and everything like that. We have hot. It's, you know, we don't have barbecues and go swimming on Christmas Day. So, um, that's kind of the opposite. Yet here in Australia, we still play Christmas carols that are all related to snow. Um, although we do have Australian versions of Christmas carols, but let's not get into those. Um, six White Boomers? Yes. Yeah, six, six White Boomers, Snow White. It's, that's a shit song. Um, but there's like an, <laughs> there's an Australian Jingle Bells too. Uh, it's like, uh, Santa's in his rusty Holden ute or something like that. I don't know. They're, they're, no one sings them. We just sing the normal ones. <laughs> Yet yeah, they've made Australian versions just for the shits and giggles. Um, so he, he pulls up and, uh, we see, uh, waiting in the car, his, uh, little boy, Charlie. We see his, uh, ex-wife, uh, Laura. They're, uh, waiting for him. And then he invites her inside quickly. Like, Do you want to come inside for a second? Then we see Neil. There's Judge Reinhold in the car, giving a bit of a wave. <laughs> what a man! What right? a what a man! Like Wendy Crewson, she's really got it hard pressed in this film. Like Tim Allen or Judge Reinhold. My goodness! <laughs> like what? A, who would you choose, Colin? Like there's just no there's no option there, is there not? I don't know. I mean, I mean, you're a winner either way. That's you all we really have to are. Say. You really are. Um, he's got a nice household, Scott Calvin. So obviously the toy making business in Chicago is doing well for him. 
Um, but we kind of get this like nice little scene, you know, uh, in the house. It's like, oh, so what are you going? Oh, you know, we're just going to uh, Neil's parents for Christmas. Oh, Christmas at the Hound. <laughs> there are so many shots at Neil in this movie. Yeah, poor Neil. Like, it's just like, let's take pot shots. What do they say in the Honest Trailer? Just like roasting Neil. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like, uh, I love when he's talking to Charlie. It's like, Neil doesn't believe in Santa. Yeah, and then his head comes to a point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But um, so then uh, kind of <laughs> just random beeping of the horn. Poor old Neil's dabbing his watch. Like, come on, hurry up. We're late. Um, and then we get a bit of a conversation between uh, Scott and Laura about like, did he tell him that uh, Santa Claus wasn't real? Um, and which I kind of, I don't get this whole point where like Charlie's all like, kind of seems babyish to believe in that kind of stuff. Like, this is the whole point of this movie that Charlie's sort of the one who's like obsessed with all this and kind of it leads to him being taken away by poor old Scott. But like, he kind of doesn't believe in him in the first place. So like, I love this movie, but there's so many things I think we can easily nitpick at. Uh, I don't know if that's just something that's ever bothered you, but it kind of every time I watch this movie, I'm like, well, but you've got to believe in this in, like, two hours' time when he's fallen off your roof. Uh, I mean, I don't know why that would bother you. It <laughs> kind of makes it more effective when he does believe it later on. That's sort of the point, isn't it? Um, sure, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's also, like... Well, I'll let you finish, because I've got um, no, not an argument for that. Well, all I was going to say is, like, like Charlie fluctuates me in this movie of a little shit kid that annoys the shit out of me between, hey, I actually probably will be with you and defending him. Because I will say, Eric Lloyd actually does do a pretty good job in this film. Like, I, he's not on annoying levels of, you're a pain in the ass. Uh, I would say that, um, uh, I've gone blank on his name, you'll, you'll correct me here, uh, Anakin Skywalker... Um, he, Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd, thank you. In Jingle All the Way, is a lot worse uh, overall in that film mm-hmm. than uh, Eric Lloyd is in this film. So, um, yeah, but I mean, there are moments in this film that kind of makes me cringe. I'm like, oh. But uh, I, I think I'll just kind of cap it up here till just the end of the dinner bit before we go out for dinner. So, like, <laughs> I just like the back and forth. Like, why do you guys always have to fight? And it's like, oh, we're, we're not fighting. Uh, you know, this is just how your mum's singing. Uh, you know, it kind of sounds like this. Yeah. Cats even. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> just the random. Like, I actually like how in uh, the Honest Trailer they point out all the animal sounds that are kind of made. But um, then, uh, so Laura leaves. She has that nice little sweet moat with Charlie. Like, oh, will you pick me up early? We're talking sun up and you're here. Uh, and then I just kind of like the little awkward moment here between Scott and Charlie when he's looking at the book and he's like, four hours! And he just like stares at him on the steps. We get the... And then we just get, you know, the the great scene when it's sort of like we see this elaborate table filled with like food and we've got like, you know, uh, White Christmas playing by Bing Crosby and then it sort of zooms out from the TV and it's like, your Christmas will be complete without this, you know, dinner setting. I mean, <laughs> burn the turkey. <laughs> And he's like, and that's why you need a top high quality fire extinguisher right here in your in your kitchen. Those flames were really bad. Big Dad. <laughs> yeah, Turkey's funny that way. It's like, Dad, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> oh, some jokes 
go on too long. <laughs> some of them go on forever, and it just makes it funnier. And there's an even better bit to come with this later on when he's like, the cookies, I'll preheat the oven. Don't forget the fire extinguisher! Yeah. <laughs> like, Dick Charlie, but it's like funny Dick Charlie. <laughs> but like, yeah, like you're right. Like, this is just one of these scenes that is just like going on, but I laugh at this every single time I watch it. Yeah. Um, I mean, like... I, I legitimately would like to know how a turkey can just, like, set on fire again. But, I mean, I don't care. This is one that I think we should nitpick on just the logics of this. I don't want to because this scene is just awesome. And just, like, is this a tradition in North America that you have, like, a big dinner on Christmas Eve? Or is this kind of just the thing because he's not going to have him on Christmas Day, so he's going to have his big Christmas, I guess, dinner within that night? It's not the only time I've seen people do a Christmas Eve dinner. Uh, From what I can tell, that's a more of an American thing because here in Canada, everything is on Christmas day. But um, I I know there's other movies and, you know, other people I even know in the United States where it is more of a Christmas Eve celebration and Christmas day, you know, something completely different. Um, But I mean, I always just do it Christmas Day. I, yeah. I would think it has more to do with the fact that, you know, he... But then again, I, I, you have to look at the fact that they're going to Neil's, you know, parents' <laughs> pound for the Christmas or whatever. <laughs> uh, so maybe it is a thing. The one thing I'll just quickly say, because uh, I'll cab it here, but, like, just even kind of looking at their dinner table, like, in terms of the amount of food. So, like, you actually look at everything that he's already set up. He's got, like, his vegetables, his potatoes, which are burnt as well, if you look at them. He's got, like, some other sort of you know, meat dish. So he's got all this other food and just because the turkey's burned, it's like, let's go out. Excuse me, I'm burping in the middle of this. Um, I'm just getting hungry over the thought of Christmas dinner. Uh, like, what? let's go out and eat, you know, uh, elsewhere. So, like, what does he do with all that food? But um, my... my, I, I actually love Christmas Eve almost as much as I love Christmas Day because we kind of always had the tradition where... um we would... Uh, I guess it used to be like, we'd go over to our parents' house, uh, would open up, like, one present and then... Um, I guess, traditionally, it's going to be a lot... Well, sort of different last year. It's going to be a lot different this year. Uh, you know, it would be like Louise, myself, my mum, and we'd go around looking at all the Christmas lights and um, we'd get McDonald's. <laughs> like, that's just our Christmas Eve tradition. I, that sounds a bit dumb. But uh, it's just... I loved it. And then I'd come home and we'd put our uh, sacks under the tree. That sounds wrong, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I'd go to bed and lay in bed, watch Santa Claus and Vicar Dibley. Boom, that's Christmas Eve. But... Uh, yeah, this is all fun stuff. Like, this is just, yeah, so good. Uh, yeah, I just want to kind of comment the same thing you did. You know, for this to be a Disney movie and feature jokes of sexual harassment and infidelity is kind of weird. <laughs> um, it's clearly 1994 because I don't think any Disney movie is going to have this joke today. Or any uh, movie but, in general, um, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never again. <laughs> Unless it is the Kevin Spacey biopic. Oh, um, played by Michael Emerson. But... <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Piven can play him too. I mean, there's a very long line of people who are qualified to play Kevin Spacey now. Tim Allen. Uh <laughs> Uh, I kind of have the same reaction to you. Like, when this movie starts, my only note says, Charlie's a bit of a phlegmwad. Uh, (laughs) He's just sort of, you know, you just want to smack him around. (laughs) Now we're getting in trouble for saying, you know, condone beating children. It's not what I mean. It's just, he's an annoying little kid here. And uh, at the same time, I think you have to look in the context of this entire movie. uh, And this is what I wanted to say earlier about, you know, why these scenes are in there. Well, it seems like you're kind of a baby. He kind of is like 
uh, idolizing Neil in everything at this point and just, you know, not want to have anything to do with his dad. And in a weird way, this is almost like one of the greatest movies ever made about divorce <laughs> because all other movies released around this time period or even to this day, I mean, it's a little bit different now, but you know, you go back to 1994, if you had a movie about two divorced parents, chances are the movie's about them getting back together in the end. And in this, that never happens. You have two divorced parents who aren't on good terms. You know, they just sort of make it work. And it's more about, well, what can we do for the good of our son? And I think it's pretty realistic to show that, you know, this kid would want to follow Neil and him saying, well, you know, I think it's kind of babyish to believe that. He's just repeating what Neil said. And it's funny because I'm not, you know, this isn't a reference to child of divorce or whatever, but it's just kind of the way impressionable kids are. You know, one of my nephews was crazy about Star Wars a year ago until, you know, he had a friend who's like, oh, I don't really like Star Wars. And of course, I'd never seen, it's not that he didn't like Star Wars, he had never seen Star Wars. But all of a sudden, no, I'm not really into Star Wars anymore. And that's why you get him away from that friend. Like, get away. I know, that's why we're dragging him to The Last Jedi against his will. (laughs) Uh, But it sort of just shows how impressionable, you know, a five or six-year-old kid would be. And this is sort of the way a kid would respond in divorce. And I think... The, the way that this movie ends, I've always loved, and just the way it treats that story. It's kind of like a really sad at times picture of divorce because you even have the thing where he's like, you know, I don't want to be here. And you just see the look on Tim Allen's face is like he's heartbroken. He's probably never done anything wrong to this kid. It's just the kid's maybe even uh, inadvertently been poisoned against him. I mean, there's a lot of subtle stuff in this movie that's pretty good. Um, the... Stuff, are we going to, yeah, I guess we'll we'll wait and do the Denny's thing separately. But yeah, that scene with the turkey is so good. And I'm just like you. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen this movie. I will laugh so hard every single time. And it is partly just how long it goes on. It's And then when it comes back, it's even funnier. And it really shouldn't be. Like, you're thinking to yourself, you know, this is the point in most movies where, like, just move on with it already. But it's just, it's amazing. And Tim Allen's totally the right guy to pull this off because this is coming off of Home Improvement. There's a lot of things that they play up to in that. Not just the subtle things like when he gives the grunt, but just certain things about his delivery and his character. The way that he takes shots at Neil is like he's taking shots at Al Borland. And uh, the, the way that he's burning the turkey here, it's just like tim allen causing an accident you said you know how would a turkey engulf in flames and it's funny maybe it's just because i've seen every episode of home improvement who knows how many times the first thought that came to my head is he said four hours he probably doused the thing in gasoline to speed it up and that, that would just logically be my thought so let's tie these worlds together and say that's because it is i mean it, the sun sets what time does the sun set in australia around the winter time uh, in winter oh, like between five five thirty six yeah well, I guess the same, you know, this is December. So it was already dark when he was at the Christmas party. It's probably 45 minutes later when he gets home. There's no way this kid is eating at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, I mean, Santa right. would already be finished deliveries by then. So, yeah, gasoline on the turkey, that explains it. Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good my One of my favorite uh, Home Improvement episodes, what I remember, is um, it was a Christmas one, and... Like, he's got the lights on the house or something, but he can't get them. He wants to make them, like, super bright. And isn't, like, Jill or something, like, on a plane or something, but they can't land because the airport lights are down. So, all of a sudden, Tim turns the Christmas lights on and they're like, oh, hang on a minute, folks, we can land. Some house is, like, lit up. (laughs) Tim was actually the one on the plane. He had given the kids 
task of putting up the lights. And that's the cripples. The snow's just too heavy. We're not going to be able to get through. And all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> it's like an incredible light has just broken through the fog and the blizzard. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's like, that's my house. Yeah. <laughs> so in the grand scheme of divorce movies, would you put this up there with uh, Kramer versus Kramer as like one of the greatest movies of all time? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the standard. It's Kramer versus Kramer and then the Santa Claus. <laughs> I just love that. The rankings, you know, greatest divorce movies. Yeah. Kramer versus Kramer. Pick- Santa Claus, <laughs> Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman and Tim Allen, Judge Reinhold. Ryan- Judge Reinhold. <laughs> Wait, Judge Reinhold and Tim Allen are the divorce couple? Well, it's very forward thinking of Disney. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but we hit. Uh, just, I just love all these Christmas, like, yeah, as much as I love this movie, I think I always enjoy, like, this Christmas Eve bit the best, because I guess I'm always watching this on Christmas Eve, so I'm kind of like, hey, this is happening right now! Um, it's just Somewhere like, in the world, a dad has burnt a turkey. <laughs> it's like in a Groundhog Day loop, like, this is, you know, 23 years later, it's still happening. But, uh, like, he pulls up to this restaurant, you're like, oh, so Buko Charlie, it's closed. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to eat here. Like, he really is a little shit at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I do kind of like just the conversation, uh, in the car when he's, you know, what does he say? Like, um, I learned a lot from Neil. Yeah, you should see him walk on water. <laughs> it's like, you really don't like him, don't you? No, it's not that. There's just something about him that makes you want to rash out, lash out irrationally. Where did you get that? <laughs> from like, Neil. From Neil. I learned a lot from him. Yeah. And then he charges you for it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I do like the little eye roll that, like, Eric Lloyd gives. Like, you know, like, as I say, like, I think he gives a pretty decent performance in this film. Yeah. And it's just kind of like a nice little subtle eye roll that he kind of gives. Um, but then we get we get this, <laughs> so they pull up to Denny's. Now, I'm going to say this. When I used to watch this movie, I had no idea that Denny's actually was a thing. Like, I, like... I just thought it was just a random, you know, made-up thing for this movie. I had no idea this was a legitimate restaurant. So the first time I went to America, I think I saw a Denny's. And I'm like, holy crap, Denny's, that's from the Santa Claus. But we, I never went, like, the very first time I went to America. But the second time I was uh, there, I ended up going, like, uh, the person I was with uh, wanted to take me to, like, a traditional sort of, like, American place for breakfast. And near our hotel that we were staying at just happened to be a Denny's. Um, so I got so excited. I'm like, holy crap. And I think like, I actually even posted on Facebook, like I checked in and I was like, uh, you know, feeling like Tim Allen on Christmas Eve. And I think you commented or something saying like, oh, can't get the chocolate milk. And I'm like, plain milk's fine. Uh, (laughs) from memory i think like you you sort of put that but i love the line when he says um you know oh everyone loves denny's it's an american institution and then we like cut inside it's all these japanese people (laughs) (laughs) but um this is just fun kind of like you know he says the uh the the waitress like oh dad burnt the turkeys oh okay this way it's like this is a thing dads who burn the turkeys (laughs) with their kids come on in to room c um, and then I just like the way he like sits down and just like he looks around the room like burn the turkey and the guy with his like bandage hand and just the look at Tim Allen's <laughs> face he's like oh yeah oh. It's just so funny and then just uh, so we we meet our waitress hello Judy <laughs> it's like oh can we start off with uh, some coffee and it's like yes uh, you know decaf and it's like oh no what is this eggnog <laughs> 
Uh, we're out. What is with this Denny's and being out of everything? Like, yeah. <laughs> this is Denny's. I've only been there once and I know they've got everything. <laughs> but yeah, so like, you know. But did you ask them for eggnog? I didn't because it was like uh, April. So. Uh... <laughs> well, then they were out, weren't they? <laughs> Touche. Uh, I love eggnog. Can I just point out that one year a friend of mine, we like had a recipe book in my house and we're like, oh, eggnog, we've heard about this. We made it. We could not stop making it. We made like three oh, yeah. blenderfuls of it. Um, it's incredible. I fucking love eggnog. Um, so I would be like losing my shit if they were out of eggnog at uh, Denny's. <laughs> but, <laughs> so he wants coffee, decaf. And again, do you drink coffee, Colin? I don't know if I know if you drink coffee or not. I, I I have some funny stories about how badly caffeine affects me, which <laughs> for another time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for another time. Your, your moz. That's a story for another time. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, like, I don't get people who drink decaf coffee. Like, like, what's the point? <laughs> like, do you just like the taste of coffee, but you don't like the kind of? That's like having I don't know taking marijuana without getting high. It's like, well, what's the point of doing it? Like having sex, and I won't finish that sentence. But like, it's it's <laughs> not making a baby, of course. Kids at home, that's how it is. But yeah, I just don't get it. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just rabbiting on. Uh, so yeah, he gets his decaf. Charlie, oh, chocolate milk, please. Plain milk's fine. <laughs> oh, poor Charlie wants his old chocolate milk, please. And what's the bit he says then? It's like at least we know they've got hard apple pie. We do. Yeah, mm. we did. <laughs> like, it's just. They're out of that, too. <laughs> um, I just I want to cap here at the Denny scene, you know. I just The way it kind of ends when he's <laughs> this like... This episode is going to be six hours long like Titanic. <laughs> he's just like, this is nice. And then we hear the... Awkwardly silly. That's how... That's I, I role-played that when I went to Denny's. I was like, this is nice. And I'm like... Yeah, I just come on. We're going to cap it at the famous Denny's scene, Colin. <laughs> Give me that. Talk about uh, Denny's. Uh, we, are, we are one step away from him going, all right, so in this next bit, the music starts. Duh, 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 duh. <laughs> so what did you think of that, Colin? <laughs> this such a little well, before cut. The was, before the punchline was given with the turkey, I have very little to say. Uh, no, I mean, I'll agree with you. Just the Denny scene is a classic scene. And... Uh, it's. I wouldn't go as far as to say this is my favorite stuff in the movie, but I will say that there's no point where I'm ever bored, and I'm I'm always looking forward every single time a scene starts. I'm like, oh, it's the scene where you know uh, Charlie shows up at the house and they have the argument about Santa. Oh, it's the scene where he burns the turkey. <laughs> this Denny's one tops them all, and it is the the Denny's dad's club. That's just such a <laughs> subtle joke. That's just hilarious. Uh, and again, something that I think only works really in 1994, you know, this being one of the first movies that's kind of showing divorce and everything. You have all these lonely dads at Denny's, which is, you know, so pathetic and sad, <laughs> but in a way where you feel for these guys. Um, that's pretty much the only <laughs> notes I have here. It's very, I will the Denny's good. I mean, like, given this movie at the time of recording, this is 23 years old, you know, and like, Stuff is dated to a point. Like, I mean, this is a very 94-looking restaurant with the decor. Um, that's a random thing to nitpick at. But do you, like, is Denny's in Winnipeg? Like, are you a Denny's aficionado? <laughs> no, I, I don't think there's a lot of Denny's. There might have been at one point when I was a kid. Uh, but I think this even predated the Santa Claus. And I don't think it lasted long here in Canada. 
Because I remember when the Santa Claus came on, I'm like, didn't we have one of those ones? And then apparently it's an American institution there. Uh, there is a scene we forgot to talk about, which I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. Uh, did you know about the spank me line? In, oh, in this movie? yeah. I, I mean, I've read about it a few times on the trivia, but the, the don't you burp me, don't you change me. And like, doesn't she yeah, like, add like the 1-800 spank no. me number or something? No? No, it's actually completely different than that. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's not in the movie. <laughs> oh well. Ben's twisted fantasy of a doll that says, "Spank me, please, spank me." <laughs> you can tell what type of dolls I buy, but anyway. Uh... <laughs> when you're single no, for a certain amount of time, you've got to resort to other ways. All right. This is coming up more and more every week, Ben. We're really concerned about you. You're, you're into the sexy horses, <laughs> and you got your spank me dolls. <laughs> We really, I think Jamie and I need to do an episode together. Just like I listened to a bunch of your episodes, and she's a sick girl too. I'm not a sick girl. But, <laughs> well, oh, it's begun. Okay, <laughs> no, the when when uh, Scott's arguing with um, what's her name, the wife, um, Laura, Wendy Cruson. Why do I want to call Karen? I don't know. <laughs> Karen sounds like Laura. a fairly standard name. Sure. It's- I don't know. When they're arguing in the kitchen and uh, she mentions something about uh, Neil, uh, like calling Neil's uh, line or something like that. And Scott says, oh, is that 1-800-SPANK-ME or something along those lines? And it's funny because I read that in the trivia today and I'm like, that can't be real because apparently this line was in the movie in the theatrical release. And for a few years afterwards, it was on VHS releases. And then Disney started receiving complaints from parents saying, my kids are trying to dial this 1-800-SPANK-ME number because they saw it in the Santa Claus. And Disney has taken it out of every future version of the movie. Now, I thought, I don't remember ever seeing this. I watched the clip on YouTube, which you can still see, and I'm like, I completely remember that joke, and I remember it well enough where it's like, you know, I would laugh every time I saw this movie for the first few years. But it's been so long since any version had that where it completely slipped my mind. I love when shows kind of, and movies will keep things in that... I mean, like, this is obviously a, an obvious mistake by Disney, but just a random thing. Like, you know, I think on, like, 24, they would have, instead of using a 555 number, they would actually randomly every now and then use, like, an actual phone number. So the fans would ring the number up, and it was, like, the 24 fan phone, where, like, on certain days, they would legitimately have cast members there, like, waiting for fans to see if they would ring it. So, like, one day, Keith Sutherland answered the phone and, like, would talk to the fans. Um, and, you know, like, Dennis Haysbert would do it. So, like, that's kind of a thing that some shows will do. Like, it's just a real, like, blink-and-you-miss-it thing. So, clearly, Disney did it deliberately because they had, like, a partnership with the 1-800-spank-me-sex line. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we know anything about Disney in the early 90s, it's not that (laughs) far-fetched. All right, so we've covered the esteemed uh, (laughs) Denny scene. So, uh, let's (laughs) let's lump a bunch of stuff in here because I kind of think this is obviously where the fun begins. So... Um, it's now time for Charlie to go to bed because it's Christmas Eve. So <laughs> Scott's reading him a story. Uh, it's Hollywood Wives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> getting ready to uh, have some sugar and down some liquor. Uh, <laughs> the nightmare before Christmas. Nightmare. Night before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's reading him uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, yeah. Just some tie-in movies uh, going on from the year before. Uh, night before Christmas, Charlie's asleep, but then Charlie's like, "What's that?" It's like, <laughs> what does he say? Rose, such a clatter. Um, yeah, and he's like, "Oh, you know, it means it became a big noise." 
what? And I do love kind of just the look on um, Scott's face where he kind of like rolls his eyes and he's like, oh, you know, it means this. Uh, please go to sleep. So, you know, reading the book. And this is just, I guess, typical. How old is Charlie meant to be in this movie? Like eight or something like that? I always thought he was younger than that, like, you know, five to seven, maybe. Well, he's, I mean, eight years later, he's, what, about 15? So, yeah, I guess seven, maybe, here. All right, but, I mean, he's just, I guess, typical kid, isn't he? He's asking 101 questions, like, you know, how do reindeers fly? Uh, You know, how does he get down the chimney? I do kind of like the fact that this obviously, like, sets up so much in this movie, like, you know, the whole chimney thing and kind of, I mean, these are legitimate questions. Like, if you believe in this you know, Santa Claus stuff. And look, spoiler alert, kids, Santa Claus is not real. Sorry. All right. Like, or is he? Well, um. Yeah. How many parents out there right now are pulling the same, you know, uh, uh, the same reaction that Tim Allen had to Judge Reinhold spoiling it for their kids? Yeah. Well, here you go. Colin, when, when did you stop believing in Santa? Or have you never stopped believing in Santa? I mean, who says I don't believe in Santa? Kids? <laughs> I don't know. Some of us still believe. <laughs> uh, how, like, what's the deal with Casper? What is the deal with Casper? Like, will you be like... <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, and again, this is just personal choice. Like, I have no problem with Casper, you know... I'm glad he's your Santa son. Claus. Yeah, he's he's all right, you know? He's not that much of a flemwad like Charlie. <laughs> he's out of the cupboard but, tonight. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm more comfortable... You know, letting him have Santa as a fictional character that's fun in the Polar Express or the Santa Claus or whatever, but not telling him Santa Claus is a real person, (laughs) you know, because for me, it's just like, if I put all this work and all this money into buying (laughs) stuff for my kid, why do I want to idolize somebody who's not real, who may be real, who is real, that I believe in fully? We all do. But don't want for. He's like Jesus. (laughs) He's so real. Um, but, oh. This is why we don't do episodes at Christmas time. <laughs> it had to come out eventually. Come on. Uh, you know, when we eventually do all the Star Wars films, we know that Luke Skywalker's real. I mean, duh. But, like, I mean, you know, this is, <laughs> this is different. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I do kind of like, though, the fact that they include all this sort of stuff. Because, I mean, these are legitimately questions that... You know, any kid he's going to ask, or even just like dick people like you and I, who are just going to be like, "Well, Santa's not real because how do reindeer fly? How does he do this? How does he get down a chimney?" <laughs> um, so it's kind of like, but Tim Allen is trying to describe all this. Like, it takes off, it thrusts, it's they're weightless. <laughs> <laughs> Which let's let's just quickly mention the very first Home Improvement Christmas episode where his youngest son's asking the same questions like how does he get all the presents in a bag well he folds them it's like how do you fold a horse and Talon's like well if it's a quarter horse <laughs> he starts going to logical explanation uh, it's like how does he get down the chimney if he's so fat he sucks it in like grandpa grandpa <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of fat shaving in this movie. I'm very offended yes. by this movie, can I just say? And in the age of being offended over everything, like, you know, I'm allowed to be, all right? You know, as a straight white Look, male, was... there's not much that offends me, but I'm a man of size, so I'm allowed to get offended it was... this. <laughs> It was 1994, where infidelity and sexual harassment was funny, fat shaming was funny, but divorce was a serious matter. I'm just, I'm just waiting for like after all this wave of hashtag Me Too, Time Magazine stuff is, you know, not the flavor of the month. That then everybody's going to start like coming out and being all like, I was called fat in 1982. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> and there's going to be all these fat people on the cover of Time Magazine next year. Uh- <laughs> 
I'm going to start a trend. Kevin Spacey Spacey mocked all the fat people (laughs) back during the usual suspect days. Kevin Spacey called Rosie O'Donnell fat. And she's on the front <laughs> cover. I couldn't think of any other fat celebrities. Um, not that Rosie O'Donnell's fat. She's a beautiful woman. But uh, <laughs> is she? Um, <laughs> I actually really like Rosie O'Donnell. I don't Christmas. need to be mean. But uh, <laughs> it's Christmas, like like the the most wonderful time of the year, and we're just here <laughs> criticizing everyone under the sun. Welcome to the Oz Network. Nothing's changed. Um, but yeah, this is the scene. Obviously, I talked before when he, you know, kind of like says goodnight to Charlie, and because he's got the whole line of like, sometimes believing in something means you just believe in it. <laughs> that is pretty yeah. much the excuse that anybody gives for religion in the world. But uh, anyway. <laughs> I'm such a dick to religion in this episode, apparently. But so he goes to leave, and it's like, maybe you should leave out some cookies and milk for him. I'll just go pre at the oven. Don't forget the fire extinguisher. Good night, Charlie. <laughs> just love that scene. Um, but then kind of from there, we kind of hear somebody on the roof. Uh, Charlie wakes up. He's all excited. He runs in to, you know, wake his dad up. And, Dad, Dad, there's someone on the roof. Maybe it's Santa. It's Santa. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, you know, like, let's be honest. Like, logically, Casper's doing this in, like, six years' time to you. You're going to be Tim Allen in this scene. Just like, oh, come on, it's just a dream. And you hear, like, thud. (gasps) There's someone on the roof. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know how to call (laughs) 911? Sure, Dad. 911. I love that scene. (laughs) Like, good on you, Charlie. Like, Charlie, again, can be a bit of a dick sometimes, but he's just funny. Um, so, uh, obviously, we've got noises on the roof. So, Scott uh, puts on a, ju- a jacket, doesn't have time to put his pants on. Um, he's just in his, uh, you know, <laughs> little uh, boxer shorts, I guess. Um, <laughs> I want them to, like, remake this movie, but, like, a serious, you like, action flick. Like, he gets a gun out and, like, you know, <laughs> dramatic music, like horror, horror music. I mean, he already says he has shotguns they were playing with before bed. So, like, <laughs> yes, what is he? Why is he so passive here with somebody breaking into his home? So he runs down the stairs outside on the slippery steps. Remember, we said that uh, we didn't. I didn't mention it, but of course they say like, "Oh, careful! The steps are really slippery." He doesn't slip over. But he, so we look up on the roof. This is kind of like the famous scene. It's like, "Hey, you!" And he slips down the roof, falls down, and then boom, crash uh, on the ground. <laughs> silent just a look on his face when he kind of just like you know opens his eyes he's kind of like what the fuck i just killed a man <laughs> um, i just want to say there's actually something that if you if you pay close attention to when uh the the guy john goodman uh falls off the <laughs> roof there's a quite clear scene where you can see there's like obviously like a piece of like material that's meant to be like snow it's like yeah. there's a, like a subtle yeah. mistake. If you actually pay attention, you see it. So anyway, so this guy in a Santa suit falls off the roof. It's Santa. Uh, kind of, he goes up to him and he sort of like kicks him and he's like, hey, hey buddy. And he's like, oh, um, you should just stay still. Uh, and he's just kind of like, hmm, what the hell? And Charlie comes outside. It is too, Santa. You killed him. <laughs> Did not. <laughs> Now, I just want to say with this scene, because I kind of, as they're sort of talking and like, oh, I've got to work this out, we kind of see like the hand waving and then obviously disappears because, you know, then the suit's empty and it's like, he's naked somewhere. Um, and he's like, oh, buddy, if you're there, I'm just, you know, going to see if there's a wallet and obviously gets the card out, reads the card. Something should happen to me. Put on the suit. The reindeer will know what to do. Then we, we pan up to the roof and we see the, the reindeer for the first time. Now, like, okay, 
love this movie to bits, but we, I think we kind of need to, like, as a Disney movie, we're going to suspend our belief. It's a magical movie. Fantastic. Great. But this is the Oz Network. We're going to pick apart things about what's realistic and what's not. Now, like... There's so many moments in this movie, like that little dick kid at the school thing. It's like, so if I want to be Santa when I'm older, all I want to do is push you off yeah. the roof. Like, let's be <laughs> honest here. Okay, so this is Santa. Everyone loves Santa. And all he has done is just being startled on a roof, fallen down. Somebody reads his card, and then that's him. He's out of the job. So, like, later on, like, tonight, when we're going to fly back... He's out of the job. He's out of life. <laughs> well, exactly. So, like, he flies back <laughs> to the North Pole, and then all, like, the elves are kind of like, yay, Santa's back. Are they not like, where's the other Santa? We loved him. He's been doing this for oh, 30 years. Some... Like, it's kind of like... Yeah, the... I got good on They just don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> like... Can I read something here? Please do. Um, again, just snooping through IMDb before uh, we started this here. If you look at FAQs under the Santa Claus page, and this is why I hate This almost feels like Wikipedia, like anybody can just edit this. Why didn't the elves seem to care that the old Santa was dead? It's a valid question. But this is the explanation. If you were watching closely, you might have noticed the old Santa waving to Scott when he picks up Santa's ID card and walks away. The old Santa wasn't dead. He was simply transferring the job to a new Santa. Undoubtedly, the elves knew all about it. Their job wasn't to mourn the old Santa, but to whip the new Santa into shape. What? That's a legitimate explanation. The IMDb FAQs page. That is like the dumbest thing. So they're basically saying so that like in the future, if Tim Allen falls off a roof, and again, like I haven't, I've only seen the second one once, and I've never seen the third one. So like, correct me if any of this is maybe explained later on. But like, if Tim Allen in you know ten years time falls off the roof, they but they love this guy. Like he's brought in his son. They've got the cookie cocoa dispenser and fucking all this other great new shit that they've never had before. Um, like, do they just have like a red light that goes off at the North Pole? Ah, oh, shit, San. Oh no. No, he's gone. Oh, well, new one. Let's get excited. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and who's to say if Santa dies, somebody's there? Like, what if Santa just fell out of the sleigh and he dropped in the middle of the Pacific? I mean, who's going to find him? <laughs> like the scene when he's, like, in the sleigh later on. He's like, Charlie thinks he's fallen out of the sleigh and he's, like, you know, getting it on with a puppy. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I guess kind of the point is, is that he reads the card because that's obviously when he accepts the clause, the clause. So other Santa dies before somebody reads the card. What happens? But then even on the flip side of that. So like if Tim Allen is like, fuck Santa, I just, I don't want to be this. Um, you know, Neil, read this card for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that all he has to do to get out of being the Santa Claus? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, I, well, I, I will say you've never seen the third part. They do play on this a little bit in the third part. Um, but you know, we'll, that's, that's a, that's, that's an episode we'll cover maybe in a few weeks or a few days. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's kind of... It is interesting, though, to just kind of, like, think about this. And even if, like, legitimately he's killed this guy, Scott Calvin's a murderer and he just, like, killed a kid. Well, not, yeah. you know, murdered him, I guess. It's probably more manslaughter. But, like, you know... <laughs> like, like, can we just logically think about how this probably would really play out in real life? Because, like, Charlie kind of adds the dickery here to kind of guilt trip his poor old dad into doing everything from this point. So, like, this is where he needs to, like, be put his foot down and be like, no, Charlie, 911, yes, a man just fell off my roof. I yeah, think he exactly. was trying to break into my house. Can you come here, please? Uh, <laughs> and then random Sergeant Jenkins picks up the suit and reads it, and he's the Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> 
the coroner. Like, it's just <laughs> he's going through. He's giving him his, his. He's embalming him later on. I was like, "What's this card here? <laughs> he who wears the suit." See, like Chicago. It's kind of like just a spin-off episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, David Caruso ends up as Santa Claus. He who wears a suit puts on his sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really, something should happen to me. Puts on the sunglasses. Put on the suit. Uh, reindeer will know what to do. Yeah! <laughs> oh, we got so many spin-offs here. It's amazing. Oh my god! But uh, they take him off to Cook County General. There's uh, you know Doug Ross and all the ER crew ready to work on him in Chicago. <laughs> This is 94, the year that ER started. Come on. <laughs> anyway, so, like, taking away all us nitpicking at it, um, uh, he we obviously see the reindeer on the roof, uh, and then kind of, you know, I love his, like, moment there when he's like, closes his eyes, shakes his head, looks up again, and then he's just like, huh? huh? <laughs> and then that's obviously when uh, Charlie sees the suit that's empty. Uh, he's trying to work it out. He's like, I need to work this out for a minute. Reindeer on the roof. That is hard to believe. <laughs> And then he, like, bumps into the ladder, the Rose Such a Gladder company, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, then they climb up onto the roof um, to to see the, the reindeer. Uh, I do love it, kind of like we get a fart joke, um, which, you know, people complain about. One of a few. People complain about them, but I love a good fart joke. <laughs> it's a, oh, easy, Rudolph. Sorry, Comet. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Rudolph in this movie? Can I just point that out? Rudolph's not real. Hey, well... Santa's real, but Rudolph is fake. I always like Rudolph. Uh, I also just... Uh, I forgot the bit where he picks up the suit, and he's like, Whoa, this guy was huge! <laughs> like, more fat-shaming. Yeah, more the fat-shaming movie. But um, I do kind of like it when he's trying to explain to Charlie. It's like, these are Santa's... Uh, this is Santa's sleigh, right? It's like, hmm, I don't know. It's a gift from the cable company. We're getting the Disney Channel this year. Disney. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and just even like Charlie was like, you said you believe in Santa, Santa Claus, didn't you? I did. I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> Tim Allen is just his comedic timing. is fantastic. Um, Very few people could like deliver a line. I'm not even going to say like it's, it's, you know, he could have an unfunny line and he delivers it in a way that nobody else can deliver it. Yeah. And it's a way where you can't even figure out why is this so funny. And you think about people that, you know, Harrison Ford, there's no way he could have pulled this off. Like, I mean, Harrison Ford's charming, you know, he's all cool and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, there's no way he's going to pull that off. Uh, I mean, even Tom Hanks, I mean, Tom Hanks can do everything, but I don't even think Tom Hanks could pull that sort of stuff off. So, yeah, um, but, you know, obviously we kind of get Charlie and his guilt trip here to poor old Scott. Let's be honest, none of this happens if Charlie just doesn't guilt trip his dad into doing everything. Oh, you never exactly. want to do anything that I want to do. How come everything that I want to do is stupid? <laughs> like, shut up! <laughs> but, yeah, so he puts on the, uh, the, the suit, gets in the sleigh. How do we get this inked? Let's go! And then obviously, off we pop. And I will say, though, like, this movie, you know, holds up for the most part. Some of the special effects are a little bit dated. Um, you know, the reindeer coming off... Did the- this get an Oscar nomination? Uh, I don't know. Did it? I, getting- I, I don't know. I just, I seem to remember this... The, the effects being a big deal with this, almost as if I think it might have gotten an Oscar nomination for the effects. Uh, if I click on Seymour Awards, um, 
it was nominated for Best Breakthrough Performance in the MTV Movie and TV Awards <laughs> for Tim Allen. Um, Oscar nominations for the Santa Claus. Okay. No, it got an Academy of Science Fiction and Fantasy and Horror Films USA nominated the Saturn Award uh, for. That's the one I was thinking of. Right. Okay. Best Fantasy Film and Best Makeup. So uh, there you go. Um, of course. But yeah, I mean, I'd, like, I'm sure you can comment that in a minute when we get to, when I cap this off. I actually hasn't put the suit on yet. I'll just correct myself. They're just still in the sled. Um, but I'd be kind of like, he's like, Charlie, Charlie. And then kind of when they're like going down the street next to this guy in this truck. And what does he say? Like, so if I hit this, I'll hit I-19 or whatever it is. Uh, can I just point out yeah. that? What is, how is that guy driving? He's like going left, right, left, right, left. He should be like going all over the road at that point. Like, I don't know if you noticed that, but like, I know that's kind of the thing that people would do in these shows at this time, like when they're on kind of like green screen car, like to pretend they're driving. He's driving in a straight line. He's literally got the steering wheel going left, right, left, right, left, right. He's all over the road at that point. Isn't he from Home Improvement, that guy too? Yeah, he did quite a few episodes of Home Improvement. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he looked familiar. So then, uh, Benny, Benny, thank you. That's I hate that name. Uh, so he goes to <laughs> goes to a to another roof. This is when he obviously puts on the suit for the first time, and he goes down the chimney. Um, and then, um, <laughs> this isn't the one with the little girl, is it? First of all, is it? No, this is um when he's just putting stuff in the dog. Nice teeth. Um, just, yeah, I, I kind of, the thing I don't get, like, again, I'm just nitpicking for nitpicking sake, but like, why are these presents not wrapped? Like, is that kind of a thing? Like <laughs> Santa Claus, you get your little truck and your little sneakers. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it's from Santa cause they're not wrapped. I don't know, but it's kind of, a, it's a fun scene. Like, you know, we've got the dog barking at him. He goes to go out the window. We hear the alarm. We hear a shotgun. Who's down there? Uh, <laughs> he like goes up the chimney and then it's like, what did it feel like, Dad? Felt like America's most wanted. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just, um, I remember kind of the scene when he goes down the chimney that, uh, I did have the Disney Channel for a while back in like, I don't know, the early 2000s or whatever. And, and they would kind of have this, you know, uh, logo and show sort of promo, uh, station promo. And, you know, they'll show all, like, it was a big, the Disney mansion, and they would show all the magical creatures. You know, there's Dumbo and fucking Beauty and the Beast and all the, you know, Disney people. But they would always kind of have a shot of Tim Allen going down the top of the uh, the mansion, like in his little Santa Claus uh, uniform. Uh, but kind of then they, we go to another roof here and, uh, there's no chimney at this one though. So he gets like sucked down the, uh, the little pipe thing. The one line actually kind of the adult line that, uh, I forgot to mention before. It's like, you're flying dad. It's like, it's okay. I lived through the sixties. Yeah. <laughs> How many kids would have turned to their parents? Going, what did that mean? Mum? It's like, oh, <laughs> never you mind. <laughs> but I, I love this scene when he goes down this like chimney, this whole like, fireplace like a piercing he's like oh weird weird um and what's this girl's name uh, she's got a name doesn't she um like in the movie what's her name yeah like in the movie because um is it sally or something like that like because he says a name let's call her sally (laughs) but like no i swear he says a name like the next year when it's like you you got bigger this year or something like that oh yeah sarah 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 the little girl um she's and if it's not sarah let's call her adam yeah (laughs) he's adam uh (laughs) (laughs) but um one thing actually i forgot to mention at the top when he's like you know uh trying to go down this 
chimney again and he's like the bag's empty and even if i wanted to go down it's like are you growling at me when um comet's <laughs> just like to him but this scene is just so fun when he goes down there and he's like uh sarah's just being you know what happened to to your beard? I shaved, and it's like you're you're close. Santa's been watching his saturated fats. Like, Do you want this toy or not? Go to sleep. And throws it under the tree, and then goes to go up, and it's like, oh, you're supposed to drink the milk. I am lactose intolerant, and I am this close from taking this doll and going up there. And then when he like goes back up the chimney, you're supposed to drink the milk. Shut your eyes. Like, this Sarah girl, like, does she ever tell her parents, like, oh, did you know that on Christmas Eve, a, like, a fireplace appears? <laughs> and, like, her parents, oh, shut up, Sarah, stop making up stories. <laughs> like, she just... I mean, she probably did, but are you going to believe your kid if they say that? Well, I mean, it depends. Um... <laughs> I'm probably the type of person who's going to sit down at night, like in the dark, waiting to see if it happens or not, with like a camera ready to film it. Um, but then, kind of, we just get a few other little shots. I like, I like the bit when he's in the next house and he's got the giant canoe and he's just like <laughs> trying to put it up. Then he's got to sit it up successfully. Then he goes to get the oar and it comes down, knocks the tree. So he just picks the oar up, throws it, and just goes. <laughs> I just love that scene. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, obviously, kind of, he's he's done for the night, and then he flies out of uh, Chicago. He thinks Charlie's fallen out of the sleigh, but he's getting it on with a puppy. Um, and then, kind of, as he flies off, you know, he's kind of like, "When I wake up, I'm getting a cat scan." And he obviously gives a bit of a "ho ho ho," like he's Tim Allen grunt. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just I'll cap it maybe right at to the end of the North Pole stuff since I wasted it on one scene, so we'll just lump a shitload of stuff here. <laughs> so uh, we land at the North Pole. What does he say? Like, oh, is this okay, Dad? No, it's not okay. And he's kind of like wondering yeah. for, for for them being in the North Pole, they're not acting like it's that cold. I can't imagine it's maybe not a little bit colder than it is there. But um, we kind of get this weird song playing, which is almost like in the sun, in the night. Um, oh, I love that song. I, I mean, I'd, I'd neither like it nor dislike it. It's just there. Um, <laughs> but then we see, uh, well, I'm not allowed to say a little kid. An elf comes out, um, brings up like this pole, and it's like, what's that? It's the North Pole. That's the North Pole. <laughs> like, I just love the way he's kind of like saying that. Then we kind of get this great little scene where like he, he gets sucked down into the ground. And these are all the uncaring elves. Oh, look at this. We're so happy. It's Tim Allen from Home Improvement. We love him. Like, oh, he's the new Santa. The other Santa was a dick. Uh, let's be honest. Obviously, the other Santa Probably. was a dick. Like, he must have been. Because these kids just do not give a shit. Elves, sorry. Do not yeah. give a shit. Um, but it's a nice scene. I kind of like, you know, all the little elves. And there's Bernard giving his little smirk as they all kind of come down. And, you know, no one's... Again, they really don't seem to give a shit, though. It's not like, oh, my God, new Santa. Hi, I'm Jenny. Hi, I'm Judy. Hi, I'm Rick. I don't know. Um, I'm Rick. <laughs> Rick the elf. Uh, <laughs> but um, we do kind of have, like, a nice little scene where, you know, he gets up, he meets the first elf and kind of like, you know, I'm not a kid. I'm an elf. And then he starts, like, talking to this other girl. And then Bernard comes in. What's going on here? Uh, you know, who started this? Are we on a coffee break? We don't drink coffee. <laughs> Then I guess the break is over. <laughs> Slave driver Bernard. Um, shouldn't this be their only night off of the year? 
<laughs> like, yeah, what do they have to do? Like, they've finished everything to this point. So this is legitimately the one, like, they should have 24 hours off until Boxing Day here. Come on now. Speak to the union exactly. at the North Pole here. <laughs> <laughs> but I do kind of like this scene. I like Bernard. Like, you know, I know I mentioned kind of um, dear old David Crumholtz was a bit of a dick in ER. But, you know, he what was that TV show? He was in, like, uh, one of those scorpions you know, bone sort of shows for a oh, while, wasn't he? Numbers. Numbers, yeah, one of those. Oh, I love that show. There you go, all right. They're all the same to me. <laughs> but uh, I kind of just like the back and forth here where he's trying to, like, find out, like, what happened. He's like, you put on the suit, right? And he's like, yep. And the other guy fell off the roof, right? Yep. And this is obviously the explanation scene. So he's like, you read the card, so, you know, you accepted the contract, the clause, the Santa Claus clause. It's like, you're a businessman, right? Give me the card. So then we obviously see around the car that there's, like, this contract, like, terms and conditions. It's essentially like when you sign up to, like, iTunes. You never read the terms and conditions, so you don't actually know what you're accepting. Yeah. Uh, I do kind of like it, though. It's, it's a nice little clever thing that, um, you know, if you actually do kind of see it when he picks out the card, you can see the faint little red line around the border, which they, uh, you know, obviously zoom in on. Um, and then the, the, I will say, like, the most random scene, though, when, like, Charlie comes into it and, like, Bernard's like, who's this? It's like, oh, I'm Charlie. It's like you know what? I've got something for you. It's like, really? (laughs) Like, you just met this guy. Do you do this to everyone you meet? (laughs) Like, I've got something for you. (laughs) Well, how often does a little boy walk into the North Pole? Which has been saving this for years. But at the same time, should he not be questioning? Isn't there like a security risk or something like this? Oh, don't tell anyone, Charlie. (laughs) Security risk. (laughs) This is us thinking about this in 2017. Come on, the innocent days of 1994. (laughs) Um, but, like, this movie was in 2017. Oh, no, don't you tweet about this. Like, we're secret. This is the North Pole. We're not on Google Maps. Uh, <laughs> but I do kind of like the ongoing joke here with Tim Allen. It's like, oh, Barabbas. Uh, burr, 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 burr. Barnaby. Barnaby. <laughs> it's Bernard. <laughs> um, but then, we, yeah, the explanation scene and kind of just, you know, obviously it's it's... Basically, you read the card, you put on the suit, you're the big guy, and just, like, you're subject to claws the claws. Um, and then just, like, you say, what if I choose not to believe in this? And then everyone's like, oh, quiet. And it's like, then you'll be disappointing children all over the world. Which I think the Honest Trailer points out kind of so much. It's like, he's guilted into taking this job. Because it's, By everybody. <laughs> it's kind of just like, Jesus Christ, like, this is a big deal. Like, this is like, hey, guess what, Colin? You're the new Jesus. It's like, well, I don't want to believe it. Well, you have to be. Like, everyone around the world will be disappointed. Uh, <laughs> That's kind of how we got you to do this podcast, too. Exactly. <laughs> Colin, both <laughs> Catherine and Shedmeister will be disappointed. <laughs> Where will Granny Survivor be <laughs> if she doesn't have an Oz network? Um, but we also kind of get the little throwaway scene, like the little Easter egg, I guess, when he picks up the tool belt and kind of goes to put it around himself. And he's like, he just shakes his head. He's like, nah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but kind of from there, sort of, you know, after he's been guilted into doing this, he's got to follow, um, Charlie and Judy, uh, into, and we get that really, I'm just flicking through the movie, that really little sad little baby that looks up when he says, like, what if I choose not to believe in it? Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a great shot. <laughs> but so he's, uh, he goes, sort of follows Judy on this train. We go into like this big ass bedroom with Punch and Judy going around there, basically. And, um, here are your pajamas. Uh, like, 
gives him his uh, nice red pyjamas, which he changes into. Charlie lumps on the bed, falls asleep. I do like the bit when he takes down his pants and the puppet's like, ah, oh, look, an <laughs> emu. Uh, I always laugh at that scene. Um, but then I, we kind of get, like, you know, nervous-looking Scott Calvin. He was all the kids, like, looking at him getting changed. Pervy kids. Yeah. Um, and Judy comes Judy comes in yeah. with the hot chocolate. And I like it when it's like, Santa, Scott Calvin. Um, now, like, I've always wondered, is this a little bit inappropriate here from Scott Calvin when he says this to Judy? Like, you know, when she sort of mentions her age, like, oh, you know, it took 1,200 years to perfect. He kind of has a sip of the cocoa, then he's like, you know, i got to say, you look really good for your age. And it's like, thanks, but I'm seeing someone in rapping. Like, I, I always just kind of question this. Like, is it creepy? Because I know she's, like, meant to be about, like, 5,000 years old, but she's also kind of looks like an eight-year-old. So, I mean... Well, he, wasn't, he was saying it as a joke. He wasn't saying it as a, like, hmm... You wouldn't get away with this in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a Good funny year, Tim Allen. It is a funny line though when she's like, "Thanks," but I'm seeing someone in rapping. <laughs> it's probably one of the most famous lines of the whole movie. And just the look on his face when he kind of is like, "Okay." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's how you know it's a joke. But then it's kind of like it's a nice little scene, like you know when he's going out the window and kind of you know, oh, I see it, but I don't believe it. And this is kind of like you're missing the point. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Like this is a real kids movie part of it. To kind of like so you know Casper's going to be watching this for years. Yeah, Dad, I believe in Santa. Shut up, Casper. Watch Star Wars. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I like like the little bit when he's like, you're a nice little elf. Thanks. But this is a dream. Is that that a polar bear down there directing traffic? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like, it's actually, it's really well acted. And uh, props to little Judy here, uh, who I'm looking up. It's called Paige Tomata. She's obviously gone on to great things. Um, (laughs) But she actually, I actually, she's one of these little actresses, which is kind of not giving me the shit. She actually does this quite well. Uh, so it's a nice little scene, because I guess kind of we're all thinking, like, oh, is this a dream? What's going on? And, you know, obviously anyone in Tim Allen's situation at this point is going to be questioning this. So uh, then we kind of get the nice little bit where he lays in bed next to Charlie. They share a nice little moment, falls asleep, and then that's kind of the night gone. So, yeah, I've kind of lumped a lot of stuff into there. <laughs> but, you know, opposed to the, the Denny scene, I guess kind of I had to make up for lost time. Uh, well, we've hit hour number two in uh, <laughs> Ben's now up to the North Pole. Uh, not quite, but we'll, we'll be here for a while, people. So just get comfortable. Uh, where did we start here? The the Denny scene? No, we talked about the Denny scene. It was, not, it was basically him reading the, the night before Christmas. The story. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, I always thought it was funny when he, you know, did this rushing through the story thing. And it's like... Uh, then, uh, you know, uh, it was the night before Christmas and all through the house and goes, and to all a good night, just rushes through the story. I've tried that uh, many times, mostly because I got the idea from this movie. Uh, I'm going to say kids don't buy it. Uh, our son is a year and a half now, and he's just gotten the point in the last few months where he wants you to read books over and over again to him. And he'll sit there so patient. He never sits still any other time, but he'll sit so patiently as you read a book. And I'm going to have to try it with the, the, this story to see if uh, uh, he takes an interest, just so I could feel like I'm living out Co- Colin life. Colin taking parenting advice from Scott Calvin. <laughs> hey, everything I learned in life, I learned from Tim Allen, remember. <laughs> but Jamie has tried this with Casper before, where she'll be, he'll, he'll come up, he'll pick the book, and he'll just throw it in your lap, and he'll go, oh, oh, 
and that means read this to me. And she'll do a page of like, uh, and then Thomas the Tank Engine, blah, blah, blah. And then she'll skip through the pages, go, and then to all a good night. She'll basically try to wrap up the story. And he turns and he looks at her and he gives her this looks like, are you kidding me, mommy? You think I'm going to buy that? He <laughs> just waits until she reads it properly. So I don't believe this would ever work, but I think it's 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 a funny dad thing to do still. Uh, I, I love that this movie takes a literal approach to Santa. And there's yeah. a lot of things throughout this I'm going to compliment as to why this is different from your typical movie. And this is what they lost so much. They still had it a bit on the second but they lost it so much on the third one. Uh, it, it's about let's take a little bit, let's cross the fairy tale with logic and real world. You know, it's not just, oh, you have to put on the suit. It's like, well, there is a legal clause in the contract that's written as if it is a legal clause in a contract. I'm actually, you know, uh, studying contract law right now, which is, uh, uh, I'm saying that because when we went through clauses in contracts, the first thing I thought of was the Santa Claus. <laughs> I thought, can I go over the full Santa Claus throughout this trilogy, all the different uh, clauses they put in there, and see if it would legally be binding <laughs> under Canadian law? Uh, I'll let you know in another month. But Is it Canadian uh, law? Is, it, is the North Pole technically Canada? So, I mean, like, technically is Santa Claus... Like, I, I guess it's closer, yeah. The, so, I'm going to say it's Canadian law. The, the governing body. True. But like, yeah. is there a governing... Like, is, I think, isn't that in the second... I'm jumping ahead here, but, like, who is the governing body for Santa Claus? <laughs> like, the United Nations or... <laughs> I think it's the elves. Ben. Right. Uh, uh, it's sorry. clearly stayed in this movie. Sorry, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> clearly the elves, Ben. <laughs> but there's a lot of things in here, like the rose such a gladder, which is just kind of a funny joke. But, you know, it's like, well, how is the new Santa going to get up on the roof? And then, you know, the the fireplace is coming in. There's the great scene, which I'll mention again when we get to it, that Charlie has later on, where he talks about all the logic behind, you know, this is how it all happens in one night. And the stuff when they get to the North Pole is hilarious, too, because they're working and you see this as production. You get the guy like Bernard, which is, you know, the uh, the, the foreman. Yeah. <laughs> He's running this like a foreman, and this is a business for them. Um, there's one really funny moment, like you want to talk about some of the, the really funny, subtle Tim Allen lines here. You know, when he's trying to figure it out, you mentioned he's like, "Guy on the roof, reindeer on the roof." He goes, "Guy falls off the roof," and he's like, "Not my fault." <laughs> he's immediately going into his lawyer mode here. It's like I didn't do anything. So what does he do now that he's basically mounting his defense? He picks up the evidence of the body that was there and he removes it from the scene of the crime before it said anything. Like it's not like Charlie's like, "You got to put on the suit." He goes, "Okay, let me just grab this suit and meet you up on the roof there, Charlie." <laughs> like. And here's the, the the whole theory that FAQs on IMDb that Santa didn't die. He was retiring. So there is a Santa Claus roaming around Chicago, Illinois, naked right now because the suit is left there. Where's, where's his story? Mistaken. Where's his Rogue One, like, you know, movie in between <laughs> Santa Claus 1 and 2? John Goodman rolling yeah. the streets. <laughs> but it almost would make sense, though, like... Obviously, that doesn't hold up when you you compare it to you know what's in this movie. It almost would make sense though that the Santa would retire. Now, why he would feel he has to throw himself off the roof to retire, I don't know. <laughs> but like, if Santa can never age, then how does he die? How does a fall? Kill him? How does a fall into a giant fluffy pile of snow kill him too? And he's got all that padding on him. I mean, this is a fat guy, you know. Let's let's Aye. let's let's <laughs> let's talk about the fat people some more. <laughs> Those fat people can't be hurt. <laughs> Like giant marshmallows. Okay? Shut up, I'm eating a cheeseburger. Uh, 
<laughs> oh god, I miss cheeseburgers. Oh, sorry. Continue. I'm on a diet um, right now. It sucks. <laughs> uh, some of the other things I hear. Uh, the and, oh yeah, when he's giving some, and this is just Tim Allen. It's not the logical things, but it's like that home improvement episodes where he's like, you know, how do they fly the the antlers? They they give them. There's the slipstream effect. They're 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 weightless, and he just <laughs> wings it at the last moment. Uh, yeah, so maybe is Santa retired? Is Santa killed by Tim Allen, or is this suicidal Santa too? Because he seems well prepared when he gives goodbye. <laughs> so let's throw another story out. Yeah, yeah, let's throw another theory out there. This is suicide bomber, is suicide diver. Uh, Santa. Santa Claus here. <laughs> He's had enough of Bernard. And here's the other thing, okay? We find out in Santa Claus 2 that Santa needs a wife. So whatever happened to Mrs. Claus from this guy? Um, I mean, like, was that was Kate from evicted? Lost? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking she's evicted from the North Pole. You know, maybe she gets a widower's pension and she's living somewhere in, like, Decatur, <laughs> Illinois now. <laughs> There's a revenge movie in here, like, Mrs. Claus, <laughs> like, going up to Tim Allen. It's like, you took my husband's job. I'm homeless <laughs> now. Uh, the, who is she? That's who is she? To... <laughs> it's Evangeline Lilly, Colin. Uh, God, duh. I love some of the, just the lines Tim Allen throws out there that, like, blink and you miss it. Like, uh, don't touch the thing, Charlie. They look like they have key Lyme disease. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know if key Lyme disease is a real what thing. What was the one I it forgot sounds... when he puts on the suit and he's like, oh, look at this thing, thousand moles. <laughs> <laughs> Which really is disgusting, even if it's not. Like, it's disgusting if you think about it. We're led to believe that time slows down when Santa's doing this. But for Santa, it still takes just as long as it would take to deliver all the presents to everyone in the world. Like, how bad is his crotch stench right now? From you know, <laughs> He's sweating his balls off. He's diving into chimneys with fire. I mean, you know, sure, it's going to keep him warm in the sleigh, but this guy's sweating bullets inside that suit. Like, there's crotch stench all over this thing. And Tim Allen's just slipping it on. Yeah. It's really disgusting if you think of And is Chicago, like, one of their uh, first stops? Or, like, is that kind of at the end of the route? Like, I mean, is he being all over Canada that night? Or, the you know, the West Coast? He's just going across, you know, continental United States here. Like, he's, you know, he's got all Europe to do and Africa and Asia and Australia. Like, come on had the theory like charlie's that time slows down and i was thinking well maybe no matter where he is in the world it's always like two o'clock in the morning but when he makes his final delivery you see the the sun coming up and i don't know i think that's like new york city or something like that so we're we're really trying to figure out the logic behind santa claus here uh we have way too much time this is why this episode is going to go five hours uh yeah now when i said i'm going to have some criticism for charlie throughout this movie it's not criticism for Eric Lloyd, because I do think he's great. Even in these obnoxious scenes where he's whiny, it's like, how come everything I want to do is stupid? You never do what I want. Like, he really is the youngest teenager in the world, because <laughs> this is written like a teenager. It's like, I hate you, Dad. You never do what I want to do. <laughs> uh, and I get why his character is written that way, but it gets, for whatever reason, it gets this really emotional like anger reaction out of me, where I'm like, Man, this kid just needs a spanking. <laughs> <laughs> but not in the and creepy, I'm not, I'm not, not in the creepy Scott Scotton yeah, Judy not, moment. Not one eight hundred spank me spanking. I'm talking about a real. 
<laughs> and I'm not one for spanking. Like, I'm opposed to spanking. But at the same time, it's just like, man, this kid gets to me. But there are some and people yet, I, that, that just, you need to. Like, whether you're anti, like, spanking or not, like, you just want to do yeah. it. <laughs> some people are okay. Some children are okay to hit, is what Ben's saying here. Not just children. There's, you know, other categories involved that, but I'm not going to say it because it's 2017. Now, let's not break this down into genders, Ben. <laughs> let's stop before we go too far. Uh, but, I mean... I think that's, I don't know if that's the reaction. I think that's me as, you know, somebody who was 13 when I saw this movie, giving the 13-year-old's reaction, like, stupid kid, you know, <laughs> I would be happy if Timel was my dad. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm just really upset at him, because I think the reaction you're supposed to get is, like, you're supposed to feel bad for Scott here, you know, because this kid is kind of obnoxious, but you understand why. So I get why his character's like that. But, man, every time he speaks at this point in the movie, I just can't stand him. Uh, but I really do love Charlie when he's, like, you know, the happy Charlie that we get even at the North Pole later on. Um, the I live through the 60s line, again, that's that's always really weird, <laughs> along with all these other, you know, lines about infidelity and, you know, lap dances and stuff. <laughs> uh there's another line here where uh, he's talking to what's her name? Let's call her Karen. What's the little girl's name? Sarah. <laughs> Adam. Sarah. Adam. Uh, yeah. Why aren't you eating your cookies? I'm watching my saturated fats. <laughs> Such a 1994 thing. Saturated fats. <laughs> uh, and yeah, when they get to the North Pole, just again the literal things they bring into this. You know, the North Pole is like this fairy tale. It's like that's the North Pole. It is literally a North Pole. And when they get there, it's 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 basically like a factory. I mean, you have everything. You have the the lift that lowers the sleigh down, and then the the reindeer go to their places. They have rooms. I like that. There's all these rooms separated. They have the ballroom, the candy room, and all that. And you know, I, I one thing I do have a question about is uh, who's the other elf that uh, takes Charlie off here while uh, Barnaby is talking to Scott. Oh, they mentioned my name. Sometimes. Yeah. Somebody, they, That's the one that um, he me. was talking to at the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah. I can't, yeah. yeah. Rudolph. Well, whatever it is. He says he showed me the workshop later on. And meanwhile, this entire thing's a workshop, so I don't know what area they're not working. Hey, Colin, um, Colin, but the workshop. Uh-huh. You know, it, like... Oh, Ben had to make it something dirty. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome, uh, Jamie. <laughs> but yeah everything with the north pole here like the fact that these kids are like thanks i'm seeing someone rapping it's not like their kids are not even like typical elves like they live regular lives you know it's like yeah i'm dating somebody you know don't get too attached the the thing with the puppets jamie had the same reaction you did it's like is it kind of she said is it weird that they have puppeteers that are in this room that watch santa get dressed or even if they're not watching him get dressed they watch him sleep and i told her i'm like they're not puppets. They're they're living. They're living puppets. It's not like there's a puppeteer. And she goes, that makes no sense. And I'm like, there's a polar bear directing traffic. The puppets are living and that's confusing to you. You're watching a movie where a man becomes Santa Claus. Oh, no, that makes no sense. It's the North Pole. It's a magical place. Let's all, you don't have to see it to believe. Believing is seeing. Uh, yeah, the, the North Pole stuff is so much fun. And it, I think... The series got plagued with this later on, and it's just the right balance what we see here. Uh, I'll say two had the right balance, too, because this movie was probably 75% real world, 25% North Pole fairy tale. The next one was more like, you know, maybe 60% uh, real world, 40% North Pole fairy tale. The final movie was like 80% North Pole, and I think that's where it kind of loses it, because the North Pole stuff... 
it's good in small doses because it's still an adult movie. But when it just becomes the North Pole and it's all these kids and they're fighting armies and they're fighting Martin Short and all that, <laughs> it, it just becomes too much of a kid's movie. This doesn't feel – I don't think even when I was younger, when I was a kid, this never felt like a kid's movie to me. Uh, the North Pole stuff is the stuff that's the most kid-like. But I think Tim Allen is what grounds this as being kind of just a movie for all ages. And that's what I remember. It's interesting you said that about the second one because, I mean – I think a lot of the reason why I didn't like it was because, to me, they just, like, turned it so fantasy-esque. And that's kind of what I love about this film is that it's so kind of grounded in reality that this is, you know, to me, it's not realistic, but, I mean, it's kind of... It, they make it realistic, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. whereas, like, yeah, the second one, to me, just took that away from it. And that's kind of what just a lot of the reason why I hated it was just kind of like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is this, this, and this. And, I mean, that's kind of... Then when I saw the trailer for the third one, I was like, holy crap, what are they doing? Huh. Um, cause uh, isn't like, the second one, or am I thinking maybe the trailer for the third one, there's like a, a council with like mother nature and the fucking Easter bunny and shit like that. Or we have that in both. Yeah. But it's a brief scene in, in both, like at least in the second one, it's kind of a brief scene. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I did, uh, just before we move on, I did want to mention that weird song, as you said, it's called the bells of Christmas. Uh, I always loved this song. Like I was obsessed with this song and I wanted to find it for so long, but had no idea what it was. And only like a couple of years ago, I discovered it. It's actually a Canadian song. There's a Canadian uh, singer named Lorena McKennett, who's a Celtic artist. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if Celtic music is big anywhere other <laughs> than, uh, you know, Celtic nations or Canada. But like Australia? here in Canada, Celtic, is it big there? Uh, I mean, the Riverdance craze of the 90s was massive. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I when I worked at Sanity, like Celtic music would sell. So yeah, I, I it's Pretty, yeah, I, I, mean, I dated a girl who was into it, so... <laughs> you know. Celtic music, there's there's this weird thing in Canada with Celtic music. I think it's the Maritimes, you know, uh, with Newfoundland and everything that uh, makes it so big. But Lorena McKennett was really big here. But, I mean, even even the level she was famous, it's nothing compared to how big other Celtic music is here. Uh, one of the biggest Canadian bands of all time is called Great Big Sea, and they kind of uh, combine traditional Celtic music, and then they'll update it and make it sound a little bit more modern. And I remember they performed a free concert here in Winnipeg, and it was almost 100,000 people that mm. went to go see it. Uh, and that's not even, like, they're not even the only Celtic artists that can do that. But, yeah, it's a Lorena McKennett song, and uh, I think it's a fantastic song. I don't even like Lorena McKennett, and I thought it was great. There's another episode, Celtic Music Oz, coming soon. Yeah, it's, it's, big, it's big here, you know, I guess. On the topic of, uh, I was going to say, on the topic of Celtic music, I mean, I know Russell Crowe has a band. I don't know how Celtic <laughs> 50 it odd is, foot of grunt. is at all. <laughs> Yeah, what kind of music would you consider them? Because I don't think I've ever heard them. <sighs> Crap. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I've heard bits and bobs. They, they actually, I think I've told the story before. They actually came to Hobart. Um, God, when were they big? Well, they were never big. Um, early 2000s, but I remember it was a big deal because everyone was like, oh my God, Russell Crowe is coming to Hobart. Uh, and I actually wanted to go see it just so I could go see Russell Crowe. But um, yeah, I, like, I think I heard one of their songs once and it was pretty kind of cruddy. Um, so I didn't really kind of delve into their back catalogue, to be honest. <laughs> but uh... I just know that, um, that and, and again, it was funny here in Canada, Like he had, I guess, his opening act somewhere he was touring in the world. He had the Canadian band Great Big C, which, again, here, they'll play to tens of thousands of people. Every single album they put out debuts number one on the Canadian charts, and they're opening for Russell Crowe's band. But Russell Crowe, I guess, became a big enough fan of Great Big C that... Uh, I think after that tour, he did the movie Stay to Play with Ben Affleck, which is, I, I love that movie. It's one of my favorite Russell Crowe movies. And he 
and multiple times throughout the movie, his character is sitting there really getting into a great big sea song in a car. So uh, Russell Crowe, uh, Australian fan of Celtic music as well. 30-odd foot of grunts, I should say. Not 50-odd, 30-odd, whatever. Um, yeah, he's one of these people that we stole the from. <laughs> he's one of these he- ones, the many people that we stole from um, New Zealand who we, we go up yeah. and down on whether or not we like him or not. Uh, like when he does bad shit, we're like, oh, he's from New Zealand. Yeah, he's not from Australia. Um, but then when he's like, wins an Oscar, oh, Australian, Russell Crowe wins an Oscar. <laughs> um, one thing actually, I was going to mention this at one point, but if you use Twitter, there's an account, uh, it's at Santa Claus 1994. And essentially all this account does is post quotes from the Santa Claus. That's all they do. Like, they do not, like, do anything else. But it's just so funny because, like, they'll, they'll post, like, multiple quotes a day. But it's just so funny to scroll through your newsfeed. Like, I'm looking at it now and all of a sudden you just get one tweet. Plain milk's fine. Um, and then <laughs> you scroll on here. We shared a bowl of sugar, did some shots of brown liquor, played with my shotguns, field dressed a cat, looked for women. Um, like, they legitimately just, like, quote. Like, just the most... I swear they're going to finish the script at one point. But, um, yeah, just random little shout-out to the Santa Claus, 94. Santa Claus tweets on Twitter. Uh, all right, so we wake up the next morning. Uh, was it a dream? Was it real? Uh, we kind of see uh, Charlie running in to wake up Scott. He's under his covers. He's got a big old picture of Charlie next to him. That's sweet. Under the covers, what's going to happen here? He gets out of bed. <gasps> He's wearing the red pyjamas. It was all real. So, um, it's, it's kind of like a nice little reveal. I like the way they do it with that music, that kind of like, ding, 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 ding. And then just like how he kind of gets up and, you know, we see the, uh, the, the pajamas. So it's, it's kind of just like a nice little reveal the way they create tension in, even though we clearly know it's going to be real given the movie's called The Santa Claus and it's about him becoming Santa. Uh, <laughs> but I like it when he sort of like goes down on the couch and Charlie's all like, are you having a heart attack? I know CPR. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no no it's like who gave you these pajamas judy did and just like charlie just like doesn't give a shit charlie's just like yeah last night at the north pole dad come on you were there <laughs> and uh then he's like oh look same initials as you scott calvin sc uh so uh meanwhile knock on the door it's clearly uh you know laura doesn't listen to her son like sun up and you're here this is a bit after sun up isn't it <laughs> She's been partying hard at the <laughs> the pound, <laughs> real parents town. <laughs> um, but she sort of comes in, and I love how like Scott like comes in on his little scooter when like sees um Laura. Uh, what did she say? Like nice pajamas, very festive. Where'd you get them? What is it to her? Where she got them? Where he got them? Like why? Like I know this is gonna set yes. up the whole bit here, but like. She's his ex-wife. Like, if you and Jamie break up and you've got to, like, pick up Casper, like, <laughs> she, does she have a right to be like, oh, that's a new shirt? Where did you get it? <laughs> I mean, if she's with Judd Reinhold, she has no right to be jealous about wherever I got my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> no. It is kind of weird. Like, she kind of, she kind of comes across like the jealous ex-wife here, and you're like, for what reason? You're the one who's moved on. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're going to assume that she caused, like, she broke up with him, right? Like, <laughs> like yeah. you know, or, or maybe she cheated on him with Judge Reinhold. <laughs> <laughs> More infidelity out of Disney. <laughs> That's why he hates Neil so much. That makes sense. You know, there you go. Yeah. Possibly. 
Um, but uh, obviously, you know, Charlie's here. Got it last night. Dad last night took me to the North Pole. It was so cool, Mum. <laughs> like, I do kind of just like the way he just plays it off like this is just normal. Um, and then kind of going outside and for the first time we get an interaction between Scott and Neil. Um, I just, I, I don't think he says it in this scene, does he? But just the ongoing joke about the sweaters. Nice sweater. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and just that scene later on, like, um, you know, you were right about the sweater. <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously he's there, like, you know, talking to Charlie and he kind of comes outside and he's like, wait a minute, Judy was the waitress at the restaurant last night. Some waitress gave you some pajamas? <laughs> like, who <Yeah>. are you, <laughs> Laura? <laughs> like, um, but I do kind of like Charlie when he's like, Dad's the new Santa Claus. And then kind of Neil's face and he just kind of like waves at Charlie. Uh, waves at Neil, sorry. And then he's just kind of like, we'll talk about this when we get home. And he's like, I don't even wear pajamas. Usually I sleep naked. Buck naked. Hello, Buck Mrs. Naked. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Not naked. Underwear. You know, jocks. <laughs> It's like Mary Catherine, <laughs> the daughter too. On this way, please. Eyes down. Uh, <laughs> so funny. Poor old Scott, though. Can we just establish the fact that he's going inside right now to have Christmas by himself? Like, oh, like you know, what does he do for the rest of the day? Uh, does he just like chill, watch uh, like football, and I guess then like think to himself, "Oh my God, I'm Santa." <laughs> picks up waitresses at Denny's. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but uh, anyway, you know what always confused me about this next scene was that, like, growing up, I always assumed this was Christmas Day. Like, I did not... I, I honestly thought people in America went to school on Christmas Day. I would ask my dad, like, do they go to school on Christmas Day, Dad? And he's like, no, Ben, this is, like, obviously a couple of weeks later or something like that. Um, because, like, I don't know how it is in Canada, but I, from what I've known in America, like, you don't actually get a whole lot of time off over Christmas, do you? Like, you only get a few weeks, right? And then you're kind of back in early January, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah. you get two weeks. I mean, for us, it's the opposite, because, I mean, that's kind of... Uh, our school years basically are from February to December, so the end of school year is, you know, usually like a week or two before Christmas, and then kind of we have our summer holidays, basically. Like, we don't go back to school. I mean, when I was at school, you would go back to school at the end of February, but nowadays, like, it's changed. You go back, like, some people go back at the end of January, start of February. So, it's not like in America, and I'm sure it's probably the same in Canada, where you get, what, like, three months off over summer, don't you? Or something ridiculous like that? Two. Two? Yeah. Anyway, lucky bastards. But, um, <laughs> anyway, so we're at school, not on Christmas Day. This is clearly a few weeks later. Um, and it's obviously, like, bring your parents, you know, to, to school day. And we've got this five. I just love this bit. And remember, kids. There's nothing as bad as third degree burns. And then they cut to like the kids and they're all like, holy fuck. And just, I love the teacher. teacher. It's like, we're we're bringing like random, you know, like the, the, uh, no, Trudy, Trudy from Titanic, like the random love of our characters. To me, it's the teacher. The way she's just kind of like, oh, I think we speak on behalf of everyone when we say we're sorry about your partner. Now it's time to bring on the psychiatrist. Yeah, this would be a great time to bring in your, uh, well, your psychiatrist. Your, your, uh, your, your, your Neil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but why, why does Charlie get to bring, like, three parents to this day? Like, he's got his mom, he's got uh, Scott, and he's got Neil. Greedy Charlie. 
Um, but I also love the shot of the room when you see, like, the other people in the background. Who is the astronaut? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever noticed that before? There's, like, a guy dressed in, like, a 1960s astronaut suit. Like, okay, if your dad's an astronaut, but who's coming to, like, school dressed in, like, 1960s astronaut costume? Unless he's, like, an, (laughs) unless he's, like, an actor or something like that. Um, I think yeah, this is that's Tom Hanks. He was prepping for <laughs> Apollo thirteen. Harrison Ford's the ballerina. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Charlie's like, no, no. Can we can we bring up Dad first? So you know, brings up Scott to the beginning of the room. He's got to do it all for you, Dolly. Um, you know, ready to show up there. But then it's like, this is my dad. My dad is Santa Claus. <laughs> and just like everyone starts laughing. And I do kind of like his reaction when he's like dabbing his head with the dress of do it all for your dolly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like, no, I'm, I'm kind of like Santa Claus. Like, you know, I make toys and all this sort of stuff. And then Charlie's just again, just being no, so just like calm about this. Like, oh, head elf banana gave me this. And I just kind of like the kids answering. Uh, asking the questions like yes dear what does she say like oh what are the elves like and it's like oh they're not elves you know (laughs) they're little people (laughs) little people yeah (laughs) no no but they are elves whatever honey (laughs) (laughs) she's like she's got a bottle of scotch under the table she's just like oh (laughs) fuck these kids (laughs) but then like the the other little kid like he's like legitimately the voice of like us type of people watching this movie you know (laughs) And he's just basically like, what does he say? Like, oh, stupid. We don't use stupid. That's a hate word. It's like, so let me get this right, Santa. So if I want to grow up in Santa Claus, all I have to do is push you off the roof. <laughs> he's like the logic for this movie. But the thing I get, I don't get about this whole scene is why then are they called into the principal's office? Like, what actually has gone wrong here? Like, I yeah, well, go ahead. Is this forcing kids to not believe in Santa because this whole thing started because some kid at school made fun of Charlie for believing in Santa. And all this kid is doing is saying, my dad is Santa Claus. Yeah. And they're like, this is wrong. That's my whole thing. Like, Do not believe in things and like, that are real, but we want them to believe our fate. I really like the realistic nature of this film and all that sort of stuff. But to me, like, and I'll talk a lot about this in the stuff when it comes to Charlie getting taken away from Scott. There's so much around this where I'm kind of like, why? Like, what is he actually doing that's wrong? <laughs> like, it's kind of, you know, there's just... Well, later on, I can see it more. Oh, when he's yeah, like getting here. fat and when he's, like, getting, you know, bearded, sure. But, yeah. like, you know, there's even the elements a bit, like, we'll get in a minute when, like, you know, Charlie's, like, pretending to, like, you know, listen to Al and the Chipmunks pretending to be his sleigh. And, like, you know, Laura's all, like, concerned. And, like, why? Like, kids go through phases. <laughs> we all went through, like, a phase in our life where we're like... Fuck, I love dinosaurs. No, I love the astronaut. No, I love this. I love that. So we're going to be obsessed Balinas. with it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Marketing guys. Companies. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I just don't get why they're called into the principal's office and why then this dick principal is basically like going off at them like they're students. It's kind of like, so what yeah. did you do? And, and like, you know, maybe I should talk first. I am a doctor. <laughs> like, good old Neil. No, he's not. He's a psychiatrist. <laughs> and he, like, sticks his tongue out. <laughs> um, but then it's just kind of like, why is he quizzing him? What did you do on Christmas Eve? <laughs> and it's like, you know, had some sugar, had some liquor. What did you <laughs> feel, feel dressed a cat. <laughs> Look for me. <laughs> What book? My shotgun. <laughs> what book? Had a bowl of sugar. <laughs> I was like, "What book did you read?" A uh, Hollywood Wives. The night before, night before yeah. Christmas, people, come on. 
Like, and did you go to the North Pole? I, I, I don't have to listen to this. Like, he doesn't. Why? Just get up and walk off. Exactly. Like, when the prince was like, and like, tells him to sit down. Like, why? <laughs> like, I, 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 I am so Tim Allen in this scene. Like, oh, guess who's the teacher's pet? And then just like the way Laura's like, Scott. <laughs> like, I just do not understand why they are being dragged into the office here. Um, and I love this. One of the random bits I just love is a bit when Scott looks at um the doll and he's kind of like, hmm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just starting. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what they're. Uh, and what is what does he say? Is this, this might be the first sweater joke. And he's like, I think we've got more pressing concerns here. Like, where are you going to get more sweaters when the circus leaves town? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's coming later, yeah. Oh, is that? Oh, I yeah, thought that was you. But uh, I'll cap it sort of just up here, so kind of like when he's um, walking with Charlie and he's sort of, you know, first little thing about like, you know, oh, you know, we shouldn't talk about this. It's not real. And it's like, Dad, I know who you are, you know. Like, you don't have to, you know, hide it. And then kind of we cut away as they're walking through there. Charlie's having a bit of a laugh and he's like, oh, you know, nothing. Nothing's funny. And then we kind of see behind all the reindeer have like come out of like the zoo or whatever it is. Um, so, oh, and I missed the polar bear scene, didn't I? Uh, when they're under, they're under at the zoo looking at the yeah, polar that's, bears. that's just before the walking, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of, again, it's just really Scott kind of talking to Charlie, like, saying, like, look, you know, this didn't happen. Let's just imagine this was a great dream and, you know, let's not, let's talk about it as I burp again. Apparently polar bears make me burp, but, um, maybe I'll cap it there. It's not as long as the last time, not as short as the time before that, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the... You know, the scene where he wakes up again, it's like you see this is where Charlie becomes the fun character and everything, um, <laughs> which I, I still found a way to kind of <laughs> be upset at Charlie at the scene. Just that Scott's just waking up and Charlie has opened all of his presents. Now, <laughs> I don't know what the rules are in your house. Oh, we were but... not allowed to do that. No, we had to wait. We had yeah, these exactly. sliding doors, we... which were not allowed to be opened until everybody was up. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Charlie's just taking it upon himself here. I mean, this is really an unruly kid. So, uh, <laughs> whatever spankings he got, I'm sure he had coming to him. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great scene where, you know, uh, Laura's like, uh, oh, and who's Judy? It's like, oh, a waitress gave you pajamas, you know? you can, I guess I kind of joke saying it, you could kind of see it as, like, the jealous ex-wife. But in a way, you're like... Well, why did he spend the evening taking my son to see a waitress <laughs> that was apparently sleeping with my ex-husband? And this is all happening in front of Charlie. Um, but yeah, just the the stuff with the buck naked's hilarious. <laughs> just there's jokes in this that you know were not written for Tim Allen, but everything Tim Allen delivers, it feels like something Tim Allen would just naturally say. And you know, you mentioned this was like Tim Allen's first movie. We also have to remember three years prior to this, Tim Allen you know, had the first episode of Home Improvement Ever Air, and it was his first acting job, period. He was just a stand-up comedian prior to this. He had only been acting for three years, and he had done one role. Uh, so a lot of this does feel like just natural Tim Allen. But, I mean, still to this day, Tim Allen has this ability to deliver lines, like the buck naked line, and it just feels like a Tim Allen line. Um, the whole series of scenes with, uh, you know, Charlie believing Santa and everything, I love, too, all the... The parents had to come in costume for <laughs> the, the parent-teacher thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd feel really bad for the you know the, the kid whose parents were like a stripper or something like that. <laughs> Prostitute. Like this is school rules here. You must come in costume. You must wear like. And also, does Charlie have the two most boring dads in the world? Because you got a fireman, you got an astronaut there, and you got everything under the sun. 
and he gets a psychiatrist and a marketing executive. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like he has the most exciting parents. So the principal should at this point be saying, listen, I don't mean to really, you know, insult your guys here or either of you, but you're kind of the two most boring dads on the planet as far as the kids in this school, school are concerned. So this is probably the reason Charlie's making up lies about you being Santa. But it really is just like, he, he, this isn't like he's a, you know, 15 year old. Like they play on it a little bit in the second movie about, well, how does a 15 year old respond to, you know, my dad is Santa. Well, I, what are you going to do? Tell all your 15 year old friends, my dad is Santa. <laughs> but here he's a seven year old kid. So it really does make no sense why everybody's discouraging this so much. Um, I love the scene. It's the one directly following this that you mentioned with uh, the the sweater joke, but it comes uh, with first Charlie as you know Laura's coming out saying you know this whole thing of the Santa thing's kind of under out of control here, and Neil's talking to Charlie and he's saying all these logic things like, well, how does Santa get everywhere in the world in one night? He goes, I think there's some type of time continuum that breaks down, and you're thinking to yourself. This seven-year-old kid's making a lot of sense. The Santa thing might actually have some validity to it. And then when he's like, well, how does he get presents to everybody in the world? And Charlie's like, well, not everybody celebrates Christmas. You're like, that's right. Santa wouldn't have to put it everywhere in the world. This is one time I believe in Santa. It makes sense. And even the line he says where, where Neil's like, you know, have you ever seen a flying reindeer? He's like, yes. And Neil's like, well, I haven't. <laughs> My favorite is like but, the but bit it, before he leaves in there when it's like, where is he? Ah, oh, well, he could be listening to records, jumping up and down in his bed, wearing a hat and galoshes. I don't care what Neil's doing. Where's Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> so many slams. Um, one of the moments where Eric Lloyd's really good and he's credible. Again, you kind of there are moments where you follow him in this movie. Because he's really the voice of reason in this. I mean, you could say, like, Bernard is the character that's driving, you know, whatever Scott's doing here. But Charlie is the voice of reason for the whole movie. And he actually, Eric Lloyd really pulls it off. Like, in the scene with Neil, where he's saying, you know, have you ever seen a million dollars? He goes, no. And it's like, well, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And again, you're like, this that's... is one smart kid. Are telemarketers calling again? <laughs> it's Eric Lloyd. Um, it's so it's... Spank me. Let's answer it, shall we? <laughs> first call that 1994. Hello? Hello? No, they hang up. That's a shame. Anyway, um... <laughs> you think no, we'd I, edit I, this I out? Did, Never I mind. Really, yeah. <laughs> I really like you know, the way that uh, you know he handles these scenes and how he's a credible voice of reason in a movie t- to adults, not just to kids. To adults, he's the voice of reason in this movie. Um, and then, you know, the scene where Scott has has it out with Neil here, where Neil's like, you know, uh, Charlie's doing this and this, and he's like, wow, you know, that's that's really <laughs> deep, Neil. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, I think you have more oh, important right. things to yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, where are you going to get more sweaters when the circus leaves town? And I love when Scott leaves the room, Neil turns to Laura and he's like, okay, you were right about the sweater. <laughs> And is that, that, that's the, that's a bit where, like, when he says that, where you're going to get it when the uh, circus leaves town. Is that when uh, Laura's like, Scott, we are very concerned about this. Yeah. <laughs> and then later on, Neil's like, okay, you were right about the sweater. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, I'll just quickly add, though, like, the fact that this is when we first get the whole, you know, oh, like, whether or not you seeing uh, Charlie is a good idea anymore. It's kind of like, at this point, you're like, really? Like, why? Because, yeah. you know, like, it's... Just don't be like like this would be no different to like if you know oh I took him to a, a wrestling event and now he's like really into wrestling 
It's like, oh, well, yeah. you know, like, well, maybe you can't see him anymore. Like, I mean, like, I know Scott's kind of I mean, not exactly, you know, selling this as well. Like, he could have legitimately made an excuse. I'm like, oh, we went to this winter wonderland, which Charlie thought was real, but now we're just, you know, whatever. Like, clearly he's not handling it as well. But, like, I mean, is this really worth taking a kid away from yeah. his dad for? Yeah, I mean, if Charlie's saying, like, you know, the macho man is 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 real, like, <laughs> you're like, okay, that's sweet. Uh, I guess it would also depend on what wrestling he took him to see. I mean, if he's like, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage and uh, I got you for three minutes like in Spider-Man or whatever. <laughs> but if Charlie's jumping up and down on his bed going, and you're like, let's get ready to suck it. You're like, let's not take him to wrestling anymore. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, this is the days that I used to watch wrestling. So you'd have like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels yeah, and Razor Ramon. family friendly ones. Yeah. <laughs> Best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. I, I'll just quickly, like, I, I do oh, like the, I do like the bit though when he's like the second bit where he's kind of saying to Charlie about like let's just keep it a secret, and he's just like, oh, how does five bucks sound? Uh, yeah. and, then, and then I do like when he's kind of walking off, and then you hear Charlie like go, so when do I get the five bucks? And you suddenly actually, if you, <laughs> if you kind of just pay attention, you do see like Tim Allen reach into his pocket quickly before they cut away. Uh, oh, so I, I kind of, I just, I just love that little scene there too, but. Um, Kind of also, love this um, movie. <laughs> another good example, just about how this movie plays on the whole divorce thing, is the fact you know when you said, "Well, he shows up there with all of these people. Why does Charlie have all these people?" I mean, 1994, it, it probably wasn't as extreme as this, but you know, you would have had maybe several people who were divorced. But definitely compared to 2017, I mean, it wouldn't be unusual that maybe Charlie would be the only seven-year-old in the cast, uh, in the, the class there, <laughs> whose parents are divorced. And the teacher's feeling kind of awkward about this. It's like, you're, um, um, well, well, Dr. Neil here, you know? <laughs> and, and you could actually think about, when you look at this as a divorce movie about, a, you know, a kid and a couple dealing with this divorce, again, it's a little subtle thing that kind of makes sense here. And even the scene with Scott's talking to Charlie later on, and he's like, you know, why can't I tell people about this? And he's like, well, there's the kids at school. Like, oh, don't worry about what they think. And he's like, your mom and Neil. It's like, you know what? Sometimes one parent's going to see something one way and another parent's not going to see it. And they, they go back to even the beginning of the movie when Scott's like, how come you had the right to tell Charlie there's no Santa Claus? I really hope that if you and Jamie ever divorce, and like you won't, like let's be honest. Uh, and this is the second time it's up in the episode, Ben. <laughs> I, I have listened to a few of your episodes that you two have done recently, and I, I feel that Jamie just, all it's going to take is some like delivery guy to knock on your door with no shirt on and like, boom, she's gone. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I really do hope that in the future, like when you're sharing custody of Casper, but that, like, you know, it's it's, it's going to it's going to be like the it's opposite. Starting, you're going to be well, wanting to 30 take seconds ago, <laughs> about thirty seconds ago. You're like, I really hope you and Jamie don't ever divorce. And all of a sudden, you know, in the future, when you and Jamie are divorced, <laughs> but like, like it's going to be the opposite here. So, like, you know, she's going to like have something where. I don't know. She's like a an oil rubber at like a strip club or something like. I I, I don't know. Like she's the Winnipeg Jets like masseuse or something like that. And you know you're trying to steal Casper back because like this isn't an appropriate environment for my son. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Let's get ready to suck it. <laughs> Is that what the Winnipeg Jets say when they like talk about themselves? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you're a Leafs oh. fan, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
for it for the first Disney movie we've ever covered, we sure have talked about some inappropriate things for children on this podcast. <laughs> Let's be honest, our kids are listening to this, if they are, like, get better parents. Um, one thing I'll say before we move on is that, um, Charlie, you know this is a 1994 movie when he's wearing double denim, uh, just don't wear double denim. <laughs> yeah, we've got Laura with her mom jeans pulled up to her nipples, and Charlie with double denim. It is so 1994. Scott and he's like, plain hoodie and track pants, like, I mean, like... <laughs> Neil's jumper, you know, sweaters are kind of looking like the high style fashion in this movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, anyway. Anyway. Oh God. J- just transitioning. It's fantastic. Um, we should move on. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, really, we kind of get into the fat shaming portion of the fi- of this film, do we not? <laughs> I'm so offended by so much that happens in this movie. Um, so Scott wakes up. Um, he's so angry that his son's wearing double denim that he's gotten fat. Um, but I kind of like he's getting up and he's sort of like moving his feet around. He farts because, of course, it's a kid's movie. There's going to be a fart joke, um, which I don't mind. Like, again, I think I said that earlier, didn't I, about like fart jokes? Everyone likes a good fart joke, right? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a good fart joke. Goes to the mirror and he's he's grown a bit of stubble, which he's somewhat scared about. Like, I guess it's kind of quick stubble, but uh, I think the more worrying factor is that he's just porked up so much overnight. Um, and he's, gone great. He's first gone great. Yes, his first thing that he mentions. Oh, there's something wrong with the mirror. Like, like what would wrong? Be, like, what mirror is that? Like, how does a mirror break? I don't understand that. Uh, I do like, like it when he gets on the scale though, and he's like, you know, what, 190 odd pounds. Something wrong with the scales. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he rushes into to work. Um, you know, he, he dresses very well for the office, doesn't he? I guess kind of like, uh, you know, he mentions all his clothes were burnt. So he's obviously had to like go and buy some big clothes because he's literally showing up to work in like sweatpants and a skivvy. Um, but as, as he walks into this meeting, like his entire office are just dicks because they just like literally see him and they're like, oh my God, Calvin, what happened? Oh, you know, laundry fire, all my clothes gone. And it's like, your weight! It's like, oh, bee sting. <laughs> Evidently, I'm allergic. Could have killed me. Like, I kind of just love the way he did his own blase about it. But can we just establish, yeah. his office are such dicks. Like, who cares if he comes in and he's fat? Like, they're so mean. Like, in Calvin, your weight! <laughs> they saw him 48 hours, maybe over like 36 hours earlier, and he looked about 50 to 60 pounds lighter. I mean, nobody... <laughs> is eating that much cheesecake over a weekend. <laughs> but, but also in that, like, are you honest about it, though? Like, generally, you'd be like, oh, my God, like, and you just wouldn't say anything. Like, was 1994 <laughs> a different time where you could get away with fat-shaming people? Like, you wouldn't do this in, you know, 2017, would you? <laughs> I It really depends. I, I, I know, it's funny, I know one person who, uh, whatever, well, other than me, I mean, I <laughs> was this somebody, but... You would? It was, ben, last time no. I saw you, you weren't that fat. <laughs> I'll say, in all fairness to me, it was more somebody I worked with, it was just, like, the, an impossible person to have a conversation with, and, you know, they had been on a diet or whatever, and were, like, taking it so seriously, and I was almost laughing because, like, I'm going to weigh every portion of food I have, and then just one day they come in with, like, McDonald's, I'm like, so, is the diet over now? <laughs> <laughs> but, 
No, I do know there was one one person I work with, and it's funny because it's always like the most polite person that you would ever know, like somebody who would never say a bad thing about them. And uh, you know, I went through an entire summer where I was uh, biking. Uh, probably an hour and a half to work and then an hour and a half home. And I did this, not even a summer, summer and fall. So I probably did it for like four or five months straight. So I was probably like like really lean at that point after it was over. And then during the winter, I couldn't bike anymore. And, you know, I was working so far away. It's not like I go to a gym or anything. So I was like probably put on a little bit of weight. And I remember this one, like the nicest lady you would ever meet just said about me and another guy. I was like, you guys have gotten fat over the winter. <laughs> says that let alone the nicest most timid person you've ever met i like it's, it's kind of weird like i don't like my mum would every now and then just oh ben you put on a bit of that's your mum like of course your mum's gonna say that um but like it's, it's interesting like when people say to you like oh you look like you've lost weight like thank you but like at the same time i'm <laughs> thinking like well did you think i was fat before or something like that like yeah. you, you know like <laughs> i've always find that a weird comment to make because in in some aspects i kind of feel like it's it's a compliment, but in the same time, it's like, well, is it kind of like what are you saying? I look like before, um, so yeah, I don't know. But um, it's, a I, better, it's a better thing instead of saying you look like you lost weight. It's like, hey, you look like you got in good shape. <laughs> I, I tried that on somebody once, like to somebody who would look like they had lost significant amount of weight. It's like, oh, you look like you got in a lot of shape. Are you working out? And it's like, no, just stress. <laughs> it's like they're just answering honestly. <laughs> or like you know, the age old see a female. Oh, you're pregnant? No. <laughs> um, that's just awkward. Um, but so I do like this scene is funny, you know. Besides the fat shaming employees, like who? Who? What's the uh, the woman called again? The um, he's like the one who was doing this. Karen. Yeah, I don't like her <laughs> <laughs> because we're gonna get this scene where they're ordering lunch. And I just kind of love, you know, he goes crazy, orders everything, you know, hot fudge sundae, uh, on extra fudge, on the slide. <laughs> well, after first, you know, uh, after first ordering, like, a really healthy salad yeah. that you watch later and he doesn't touch. <laughs> yeah. And I love the fact that then, what's her name, Sharon, Karen, whatever it is, uh, <laughs> the, the way she's, like, stung by a bee, Scott. A big bee. <laughs> <laughs> bitch like fuck you <laughs> because like surely well, the bee is more believable that's, like, that's me that's like still on a diet Catherine. <laughs> because like as you were saying like this is i guess over 48 hours so like surely the bee is more believable because is it possible for you to put on that much weight in like 48 i don't think so <laughs> i yeah i mean i've had weekends where i've just like let me have six pizzas this weekend you know <laughs> and then <laughs> Uh, I mean, if you look big, it's only because you haven't digested yet. I mean, yeah. you don't gain weight like that. So it's understandable they'd be asking questions. You know, the fact that they'd be saying, like, take a leave of absence until you trim down. That's a little different. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that. I mean, I kind of like this scene, though. Like, yeah, like, he's he's eating all his food. We've got, like, the Jeopardy theme in the background, which is just kind of fun. Uh, but then, yeah, so he, this guy is basically they're trying to create a new toy. It's Santa going total tank. Uh, which, I mean, what honest idiot thinks this is a good idea? Um, but, see, I love, you know, Scott's going off here about, like, the elves. You know, they, they look funny. They're supposed to look funny. They're elves. 
<laughs> and then, you know, he's just, like, completely going crazy. So his boss takes him out, and he's like, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, get some help. Like, this is... <laughs> he's just had one meeting where he's kind of gone off. Like, is this, a, is this a common thing with Scott? Like, does he just constantly go on rants like this? But for some reason, it's like, oh, you need help because you've gotten fat over a weekend and you're going off at this idea of ours. Like, what happened to constructive criticism? Just do it all for your dolly? Everybody just, like, agree with it on a whim? and like showing up to work fat is the most inappropriate thing he's ever done he started this movie by basically pointing out look everybody our boss is committing adultery in the corner (laughs) oh i just yeah it's just kind of random he's just like going off i like how he just eats his cookie though uh but then we've got more fat shaming to come yay because here's scott at the doctor's office and uh now how much did tim allen actually put on weight for this or was this kind of like a very realistic because this fat suit actually looks pretty good yeah, it was a fat suit. And I thought that, you know, this had gotten an Oscar nomination either for the visual effects or the makeup, but it didn't, obviously, we looked that up. But it, it it was at the time, like people were like, This is the most like revolutionary makeup. Like even it was kind of one year after Mrs. Doubtfire, and Mrs. Doubtfire blew people away. I mean, this is taking it to the next level. And there was a you know, a big deal at the time about how realistic the makeup was. Because he filmed this in between seasons of home improvement. Oh, okay. Right. Well, because yeah, I mean I always just assumed he put on the weight. Because, like, particularly this scene here where he's trying... Can 80 pounds for it? <laughs> Some people are very serious about their craft. Um, isn't it Christian Bale does that all the time or something ridiculous like that? But, um, like, the bit where he's sitting there on the bed and he's kind of got his, like, shirt up over his stomach. Like, that's just me eating dinner. Um, so... That's <laughs> <laughs> why it looks realistic. <laughs> but I kind of just like... I like this doctor guy, even though, you know, he's a little bit of a dick. But... Like, you know, I can just, this is kind of what I like about this movie. It's just kind of, you would do this if all of a sudden you're putting on weight and going gray and growing, like you'd go to the doctor and be like, dude, what's happening? Uh, so, you know, he's saying about how much he's putting on weight and his hair and then, you know, listens to his heart and it's, it's what like, um, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town or no, Jingle Bells, isn't it? Um, and then kind of, what does he say like about the horse? Oh, you're as healthy as a horse. Yeah. Clydesdale. Um, he's like <laughs> talking about his hair and it's like, oh, maybe you should diet and you should diet. <laughs> like, I love that line. Like it's a bit of a dick, but he's, I just, I don't know. I like this doctor. And when he lifts his shirt up and shows his man boots, the doctor's like, oh, like, God damn it. <laughs> if my doctor did that to me, I'd never go back to him. <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's anything really you want to say in this scene. I mean, it's, I don't know. I just kind of think it's funny. Like, what does the doctor do after listening to his heart and hearing jingle bells? He just kind of has a look at his face, like, oh, that's unusual. <laughs> like, surely this is like, holy crap, we should get you in for was- some tests. <laughs> yeah, he was stumped, I think. I mean, this is your typical doctor thing. I mean, you think about it, doctors have you for 15 minutes and they don't want to be like, gee, I have no idea. Let me bump my next appointment even though I'm not getting paid anymore to yes. figure out your problem. I and mean, they would just be, yeah, whatever, it's just hormones. Send you but, off to um, a specialist and, you know, give you some crappy drug so you're back in a week so you get more and pay more, basically. Some, somebody <laughs> says, sounds bitter here. <laughs> it's this time of year, Colin. I always go to the doctor for my cough every year. They never diagnose me, so I never go anymore because it's the same thing every year. Um. <laughs> uh, just going back to see where he shows up at work. Uh, my favorite part in this is just, and this is class Tim Allen, and 
this movie could have been written. I mean, it's written so generically. There's nothing brilliant about the script. There's not even anything brilliant about the humor. It's, as I said earlier, it's all in the way Tim Allen delivers things. And just the look on his face when they're describing, you know, Santa in a sleigh, and he's like bouncing like a giddy child. Oh, his little and all face, of a yeah, the tank. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when the tank comes, and it, the way he <laughs> freaks out on this poor guy who's just pitching a toy, and uh, he's like, uh, looks like Santa just took out the Pearson hole. <laughs> Incoming! <laughs> Scott, coming. can we see you outside for a second, please? What's the like, oh, he wanted that a pretty picture. Sand roll up the street in a panzer. Panzer, yeah. <laughs> and then when with Peter Boyle, his boss, again, Peter Boyle's amazing. I'm so glad he came back in the next movie in a different role because, like, Peter Boyle's the man. But uh, just the way he's like, Scott, Scott, Scott. And he's like, here, try the brownie. <laughs> he's like, he looks like wired because he hasn't had sugar or chocolate in who knows how long. <laughs> But I, I love that um, aspect too, just quickly, the doctor bit too, when he's like, what do you eat? Oh, milk and cookies, but I don't finish all the milk. It's like, well, there you go, change your diet. <laughs> you cut back on the sweets, guys. <laughs> you get, like, everything is logical. It, in a weird way, these movies you're supposed to feel for Santa Claus or Scott Calvin, and you don't, and we'll get into that, you know, uh, for the Santa Claus 2 after this, but how it's even harder to feel for him in that one, because... Who's going to buy this? And at this point, even Scott doesn't buy it. I mean, it, this is almost like a nightmare at this point. He wakes up and he's got this giant gray beard that won't go away. You know, he his hair's going gray. He's uh, overnight. He's got like about 80 pounds all held in his tits at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Hillen just said tits. <laughs> and... You know, his doctor is just like, ah, I got no idea. I mean, I'd be panicking. At this point, he's probably thinking, I'm never getting laid again looking yeah. like this, which you know, obviously will become a problem in the next one as well. But, um, yeah, I, I love this doctor, too. Like, the doctor is just when, when he's like, huh. And then he's like, oh, nuts. Like, he just can't yeah. figure it out. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, really great small actors in these movies here. Um, and of course, as you mentioned, the, the diet and you should diet. Like I always, as a kid, I just crack up at that line. But even as an adult, I crack up at that line. Um, yeah, this this whole Scott, you know, starts turning into Santa Claus stuff is easily some of the most fun stuff in the movie. Maybe my favorite stuff in the movie are these scenes here. Yeah, no, I agree. And the thing too with the, I find with this movie is that it goes by so quickly because kind of like the the first part, you know, what like about the first twenty minutes or so is kind of like. Him and, you know, killing Santa and going to the North Pole. Even, <laughs> even, I guess, like, the first half hour or so, really, of the movie, isn't it? So, that's kind of a third of the movie done, is just, like, him discovering this and doing everything along those lines. And you kind of just get, like, you know, a bit in the middle, kind of, like, him reacting to it. Then, kind of, you, we get all these, like, him turning into Santa stuff. And before you know it, he's accepted it. And, boom, he's back at the North Pole. So, it, it goes by very quickly, I feel, if you're watching this movie. So, uh, and that's kind of, like, this transitioning stuff's kind of... Um, where, like, we go to from here, like, him watching Charlie in a soccer game and, you know, he's getting all these kids coming up to him, like, you know, yeah. I want ballet slippers. <laughs> just, I love I mean, this. I didn't finish. Yeah, I just kind of love this. Fax me. Um, <laughs> just like Dick, Laura and Neil walking in the middle of Charlie's soccer game. This isn't an important soccer game. Like, they just take him away. championship aw- game. Yeah, they just take him away. <laughs> Um, and can we just, like, point out, like, we've already gone over the fashion in this movie, like, dating it. Laura in a very mum-esque clothes here. You're talking about the jeans up to her nipples, but she's just, you know, wearing a mum hat and this ugly grey shirt. Like, what is it? Uh, (laughs) But, like... This is, like, 
Neil's 1993 hand-me-downs. Yeah, but then, like, you know, when Neil's like, uh, I think it's safe to say you're taking this sort of thing. Here's my card. And I love, I do love the way that Scott looks at the card. He's like, hmm. But, like... Yeah, maybe I should give him a call. Like, I guess kind of, you know, going over before, like, why should they be that worried if Charlie, you know, everyone goes through phases, as we've said, all the kids. Like, okay, this is a bit where maybe it's like, well, look, you're taking this a little bit too seriously. And I guess kind of seeing all these kids lined up, you're like, yeah, okay, what's going on here? I still just do not understand why this is enough to take his son away. It's not like he's, like, you know, becoming a pedophile man whore or something. Like, he's just becoming Santa. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it's just kind well, of weird. I mean, you know... In all fairness, cult figures do the same thing, Ben. <laughs> Convince them, I am the second coming of Jesus, please follow me. He's basically starting a cult. He now has children lining up to sit on his lap. I think there's there's good cause for the parents to be concerned. You, you can definitely tell who's the father on this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can tell That's the one who doesn't have kids. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> You're like, Ben, this could be like a, like a cult. <laughs> Ben's son comes home and was like, there's this really great guy named Charles Manson who invited me over for a pool party. That's all right. He I was reading like about a this guy pool. called Hitler. Um, you know, look, I think, <laughs> look, he had some points. Uh- <laughs> Can we just get a year-end count for how many times Ben says something positive about Hitler on the Oz Network? <laughs> I, I'm really putting out the one-liners. My recent one and one of the lost episodes, which I don't think will be heard till next year, when we're talking about the Australian Republic, and I utter the quote, I'm an uh, outright proud Republican. I'm like, not just to our American listeners, for our Australian <laughs> listeners. Um, but I also love Laura's line, like, never in my wildest dreams. Okay, well, maybe in my wildest dreams. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, she's sitting around having these dreams about how Scott could, like, ruin his life. Maybe he'll turn into Santa. <laughs> Um, I'll just go through a lot of these scenes here because I, I kind of like, um, I love this delivery of the, the, the list, which, I mean, it kind of doesn't make sense in some aspects because he like, he answers the door. It's like, oh, you know, sign here. Oh, packages. Oh, there's quite a few of them. And then he kind of what goes upstairs, quickly wipes his face off. And somehow they've delivered all these boxes in the space of what, 10 minutes. And there's probably like a thousand boxes here. Um, and I just love this delivery guy. Oh, there's quite a few of them. Surely if he had a delivery this big, you would have been like, mate, look, seriously, what the fuck are you ordering off the internet? Like, we're, <laughs> we're going to be here all day. Um, They're like, listen, you're taking up our entire warehouse and we're only getting $15 for this delivery. You can come here and pick it up. And there's what, like four or five vans? There's no way they fit yeah. into all those vans. Anyway, but I do like it when he opens the box and he kind of has that closed eyes look. And he's like, oh, it's the list. And he reads through the names. Armanda Sante? <laughs> <laughs> which, which, there's, um, there's a great, uh, there's that book, uh, called On the Beach. It was like, I think they made it into like a 50s or a 60s telly movie, you know, about sort of like the end of the world, um, and that the nuclear fallout had basically taken over the world. Everyone was dead except for Australia. So it was kind of like about the last survivors. Uh, in Australia, and, like, this American sub comes along. Anyway, they remade it in, like, the year 2000. It's it's amazing two-part miniseries. It's so sad. It's, like, one of these few things where the end of the world actually becomes the end of the world. Like, spoiler alert, no one survives. Um, but Amanda Sante was in this uh, Australian remake that they did in the year 2000. So every time I would watch that, I'm like, Amanda Sante? <laughs> um, but I, I think... I think... The... Go ahead, go ahead. 
I was to say it was the opposite for me because I had never even heard of Armand Asante when I saw this uh, when it first came out. And I think it was a year later he did um, the uh, Sylvester Stallone movie Judge Dredd. Yeah. And I saw his name, like he was the villain in that. I saw his name in the credits and I just burst out laughing. I'm like, <laughs> that's the guy from the Santa Claus. I get the joke now. But I think on this list, I think apparently like Andre Agassi's name on, there's a few other people like yeah. on, on the trivia, like you can see it. But um, I love it when he like runs outside and he's like, hey, hey, you can't leave these here. What does he do with those boxes? <laughs> like, wh- where do they go? Uh, I always read into this too much. <laughs> but like, you know, what does he just go? Oh, well, oh, I'll have to read through these later. Better make myself a coffee and go to work. <laughs> like, <laughs> he doesn't uh, have a job anymore. He doesn't need to go to work. Oh, true. <laughs> they fired him because he's fat. You're fat. You're fine. You can't do this. <laughs> Um, so uh, we just kind of get a brief scene of Laura and Neil and, uh, you know, talking about it and Neil basically, look, let's be honest, this is Neil's evil plan this whole time is to take custody away from Scott. Like this is his whole plan (laughs) in getting with Laura. Like, ha ha, he's going to be mine. Cause he's like, I guess there's one thing we could do. (laughs) Yeah. So he's getting his plan. Um, kind of get a scene of Santa, Scott walking down the street. What is he like? Johnny, naughty. Uh, Jimmy, nice. Veronica, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> In your dreams, sleigh boy. <laughs> um, the look on his face there, too. Like, only Tim Allen can sell that look of, huh? Yeah, he even kind of has like, that little what? line, doesn't he? He's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I do like the kind of the scene when he's shaving, and then his, like, hair grows back. That, that kind of looks a little dated. Like, you can kind of see it. It's yeah. like, I'm in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm like lumping all this together, so please feel free to jump in. Maybe I'll go here to the court scene. So, um, obviously this is taking across all a year too, because, um, this is what around Thanksgiving essentially, because, uh, we get Charlie having a word with this lawyer man and basically he's going to tell the truth and kind of outside we've got Neil and Laura talking about, you know, when they stopped believing in Santa and they wanted mystery date and weenie whistles and, um, poor old Neil stopped believing in Santa when he was three. Like, ah, Neil, (laughs) poor little thing. Uh, Scott shows up and, uh, basically Charlie comes out. I told him everything and then we hear kind of the, the overdub that, uh, he's, Charlie will not get to see his dad anymore except for visitation, right? Uh, like, what, supervised visits, I guess. Um, which reminds me of Mrs. Doubtfire. You brought that up before. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of get the scene of him, you know, walking along sad and we'll get to this sort of, uh, bit in a minute when he, he shows up to the house. Again, guessing it's, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm just lumping all this together. Uh, do you kind of have anything to add on these scenes that I've just kind of gelled over? Yeah, well, it would have to be Thanksgiving because Bernard told him you know, back the last Christmas, you need to return on Thanksgiving. I think when I was younger, um, I just assumed this is Christmas because I guess as a young kid in Australia, I probably didn't understand Thanksgiving. What Thanksgiving was, yeah. yeah. And Bernard's eating the leg of a turkey, which I love too. <laughs> every time Bernard just invites himself into the fridge and everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, the only notes I really have for this section is the courtroom scene. That's just if Charlie had kept his mouth shut. Yeah, there never Charlie. Been shut. Like, think about it. It's not just you get the custody taken away. That leads Scott to commit child abduction. And <laughs> as, as much as I love this movie and, you know, you want to root for Scott and everything and he really didn't do anything wrong, think about how Laura feels for a month when her child has been abducted. This is like something you see on Unsolved Mysteries, you know? 
and, and like the kid's face on the side of the milk carton. And I kind of, I always see that in perspective. And of course, Ben's not even thinking about it right now. <laughs> it's like, all right, you know, a week where we don't have to hire a babysitter. Let's go party, Neil. <laughs> but like, it, it probably would be pretty terrifying for us. So I, I feel like it's hard to sympathize with Scott once he does that. Uh, but I do love the scene where he shows up and, you know, he's just all defeated and he's like, don't let me, don't make me beat you up, Neil. It's like, oh, would Santa really beat somebody up? And <laughs> then eventually close. when Neil just, yeah, when Neil just like throws a hissy fit just because she lets him talk to Charlie. <laughs> I love it when he storms off. <laughs> he's literally like, <laughs> he walks off. <laughs> and that, it's funny because. What you said about, you know, Neil's like the puppet master pulling the strings. I mean, everybody's probably seen that famous re-edited trailer that makes Top Gun look like a love story between Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise. I, I didn't really need uh, to re-edit lots... it that much, let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's lots of ones like that where they'll take, you know, Home Alone and make it into a horror film or something Mrs. like that. Mrs. Doubtfire. Somebody they really... that with Mrs. Doubtfire. Somebody... I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah, Sorry. Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Somebody really needs to take this and edit it into some, you know, uh, fatal attraction or basic instinct i mean I'm, I'm mentioning like very sexual movies not like there's anything of that in it, but those <laughs> types of thrillers you know where it's like uh the new husband pulling the strings you know dividing <laughs> the old husband and wife trying to steal the child away you can really make a case for that in this movie with his reactions um but uh yeah they just i love when bernard shows up. bernard i don't know if we'll get another chance to talk to him because he really only has one other scene in here but uh david crummles who plays bernard I remember even the time the Santa Claus came out, I had seen him in one or two things. And uh, I think one of them was a Michael J. Fox movie he did. Do you ever see the Michael J. Fox movie? Um, well, it was one where he used to be a child star in it, uh, Life with Mikey. Uh, no, I haven't seen that one. Uh, it's it's a really great movie. And uh, David Krummeltz played like this really obnoxious child star. His first ever uh, movie, apparently, according to what I'm looking at here. Yeah, and I swear, if you look at him in Life with Mikey, where... I don't even know how old. Like, how old was he when he did the Santa Claus? Because he looks uh, like eternally twenty six. No, hang on. No, 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 no. Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah I, I'm earlier, good at math. Yeah. <laughs> as good as me. This movie came out fifteen years ago. Uh, <laughs> math is not the strong suit of the Oz Network, but no, like, still to this day, he perpetually looks fifteen, which is the reason why. And you know, they have him. In these movies, I mean, we don't get to see him in the third, unfortunately, but like uh, even past the Santa Claus movies, because I think he's great as Bernard. It's a very different Bernard we get in the second one. The the TV show Numbers, you know, all of those shows of that era, CSI, Without a Trace, uh, Numbers, you know, the list just goes on and on, NCIS. They're all just carbon copies of each other, but for whatever reason, I think Numbers was my favorite just because I love Judd Hirsch. I mean, who doesn't love Judd Hirsch? Mm. I love David... Dave Krumholtz and I love Rob Morrow. So all three of those guys are great. So if we can ever find a way to get together to do like a David Krumholtz month where we cover Life with Mikey or just start covering numbers from episode one, then I'm, a, I'm down for that. Well, if we did that, we'd have to do the, the ER. Um, so he was in three episodes, but like, it, I mean, they're basically the most iconic, you know, some of the top five moments in ER, kind of just this whole stabbing Carter gets stabbed and Lucy dies situation. And, um, yeah, he's the prick who stabs him. I watching the show at that point. Was he on the show? Uh, who's that? The Paul, Sir David Kremlitz? Yeah, he was the guy. He was like, he was like, it was like a psych patient who gets brought in and they kind of didn't watch him enough. And they were having like, um, some sort of party or whatever. And like Carter's 
gone off to try and find like Lucy, who was, you know, kind of this new intern, this sort of stuff. And I was just in love with. And he kind of walks into this room and like, he's like, Lucy, Lucy, where are you? And then all of a sudden you see uh, David Krumholtz come from behind and just stab Carter. And then like he flops to the ground and he kind of sees under the gurney that there's poor old Lucy laying in a pile of blood. So he kind of been released and gotten stabbing spree and then, you know, just the, the next episode, I oh. taped it on VHS and just watched it over and over again. It's an amazing episode. And, yeah, he's, like, just crazy. He's some psych patient or something. But um, I think I stopped watching the show around that point. But what's funny is I mentioned Saving Hope that Wendy Crewson's on, you know, one of the biggest shows here in Canada. Uh, their season, I think it was season two or season three finale, the the cliffhanger is basically a carbon copy of whatever you just explained. So I thought, like, this is the greatest ending ever. Like, like <laughs> Saving Hope should win the Emmy, the worldwide <laughs> Emmy for greatest moment of all time. And meanwhile, I didn't even realize they copied off another Doctor show. I think, I mean, what that would have been about season five or six, that would have been. Because, uh, um, yeah, Lucy was only in it for, like, a season and a half. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, that's often regarded as one of, like, the top five moments of the show. Because it was just a shock the way it was done and... Poor old Carter got addicted to painkillers after that, and as you do. But anyway, that's ER Oz. As you do. <laughs> coming as soon. all of us have, you know, um, best moments. Yeah, Dave, I also remember Dave Cromwell because he was in um, 10 Things I Hate About You. I don't know if you ever kind of uh, yeah. were really into that, but... Um, that's a great movie. Because he was the one who was like, there's a dick on my face, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> He's so good, and yet nobody, they'll recognize him. They'll be like, oh, yeah, the elf from Santa Claus. Oh, the guy from Numbers. But, like, nobody really knows he exists. Yeah. I'm just looking at what he's been. He's actually been. He's in Mr. Popper's Penguins. Come on. Like, when are we doing that movie? (laughs) (laughs) We'll cover it in David Crumholtz month. Coming soon to the Oz Network. Followed by a Jim Carrey year. Um, (laughs) Anyway, but... um, yeah, I, I like, I, I love sulky, pouty Neil. <laughs> Storms <laughs> off. But, like, the thing also, too, it's kind of like, obviously around here, like, Scott's sort of accepting that he's Santa. Like, I'm guessing you kind of have to. Um, and then, because he's, you know, walking around in his Christmas knitted jumper thing. And then when Charlie, like, throws in the ball, like, remember! And then he has that little smirk on his face. Uh, and we also have that, you know, the line that was always used in the trailer. He's not Santa. He is too Santa. Um, yeah. Which kind of annoys me. But, you know, yeah, he hasn't been that bad, this movie, Eric Lloyd. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Like, he kind of just does kidnap him, which kind of makes it funny, like, at the end of this movie, that the police and everyone's kind of just so blasé about the fact that he's kidnapped this child for a month. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, let's just gel over this this plot point here. Um, and yeah, I'd love to see someone read it, the trailer, actually, because that, that, um, it's actually a channel that, the, there's one guy who does that. He, like, re-edits all of them, and, because, like, he, yeah, he did a Mrs. Doubtfire one to make it look like she was, like, a sadistic killer. Um, and they made Dumb and <laughs> yes. Dumber look like it was, like, you know, a dramatic Oscar bait movie. Um, so it was actually, like, really clever. Like, you, you actually, you watch it, you say, yeah, that actually would be good Oscar bait, like, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> like, this, you know, like, dramatic Oscar bait film. Um... But anyway, so, uh, Scott kidnaps Charlie. Poor old Laura's, like, coming out, like, Scott, Charlie! Uh, and then, you know, he's back up at the North Pole, and I kind of like this, like, this little sequence where it's like, what happens if I fall off the roof? <laughs> like, 
Everyone's a real dick to him. They just don't tell him. Like, why don't they tell him? Yeah. <laughs> like, straight away. Because this kind of goes back to the, what we were saying before. Like, no one obviously liked the past Santa. Who cares about him? Oh, well, here comes the new one. That's all right. Um, and then I like kind of the scene when the cops are at her house and they're trying to trace the call from Charlie, who decides to finally call up. I'm like, I'm at the North Pole. Um, which the you know, staticky line <laughs> can they trace a call to like the arctic circle um, I, mean, I mean if it's traveling over phone lines they can't my question is who ran the phone lines up there to the arctic circle true true and who who pays the phone bill up at the north pole does bernard like does it does it go to santa like <laughs> Bernard's just the the office admin. That's his basic job. He's the guy who has to deal with all the boring stuff. Everybody else gets to make like you know toys, and they get to play in the ballroom, and make hot cocoa. Bernard's there, like like cooking the books in the back with you know. <laughs> How do they make a profit? Like, beating with sweat and his little calculator. Oh, just make the numbers go away. How, how does the North Pole actually make a profit? Because they're technically giving away these toys for free. I know they make them, but how do they pay for the material? How do they, like, <laughs> accommodate for, like, power and electricity? And, like, there's the elves get paid? <laughs> yeah, there's real supply issues here uh, at the North Pole. Like, like uh, <laughs> we really have to do an in-depth analysis on uh, the uh, buyer-seller relationship between the North Pole and their suppliers. And, like, I mean, do they have to pay tax? Is it to, like, the Canadian government because they're, like, technically in Canada? Is the North Pole, yeah, like, sovereign territory? Tax on, they're paying tax on everything if they're in Canada. Yeah, like, I mean, come on. How does do the elves get, like, time off? Like, can they go off and visit their... Do they have family? Like, where do, where do they come from if they're 900 years old? Like, how do they have children? Like, I'm trying to work this out. I mean, does Judy ever have a chance to go on her date with the guy from rapping? Or are they just, like, whipped <laughs> like slaves 24-7? Because, like, if she's 900 years old, but he's, like, what, in the body of an 8-year-old, does she even have, like, the physical capabilities to have children? Like, she hasn't even hit puberty <laughs> yeah. yet. Like, I mean... Going a little bit further than I thought we'd go in this conversation. I'm trying to work this out. Like, I mean, you know, there's a b- b- blossoming society going on here at the North Pole, but, like, the the economy doesn't make sense. Like, do they have a currency? Like, <laughs> you know, do they have a sporting league? Like, you know, do they... <laughs> well, they do when we get to part two, tinsel football. Do they have a police? Like, you know, I know they've got ELFS, but, like, why do they need ELFS? Like, you know, where's just the LPD? <laughs> oh, no, we'll get there in a minute. I've got some comments on that. Oh, God, I hate ELFS. Um, good, good. We're going to agree on something. Well, you, 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 I'm sure you're loving the scene when they're burning Santa's suit. And like, oh, burn, pretty burn. Um, <laughs> and why do these elves have flamethrowers? Like, I mean, here's another thing. <laughs> some kids want a flamethrower for Christmas. What do they need flamethrowers for in the North Pole? Like, to melt ice in case it's, like, blocking Look. the door? <laughs> I, I know a lot of small town people like here in Manitoba, and it's probably the same in any small town anywhere in the world. Small town kids are asking for flamethrowers for Christmas, I guarantee it. Which, like, also begs a question. Like, if the, you only ever see them making, like, little, you know, toy trucks and dolls and shit. Like, I was asking for video games and, like, you know, <laughs> DVDs. Where, oh, yeah. What are they doing with them? Like, filming their own version of, like, the Terminator and then putting it on a disc? Like, how does it work? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, like I, I made the same, um, I made the same observation with all these movies. You know, the time period. I wish we'd see just something that dates us in the time period because it's not just the Santa Claus. 
any movie about Santa and the North Pole, you always see them making like the most old fashioned toys ever, like a wooden horse or <laughs> a little wooden train or a carousel that spins around. And like no kid is asking for these things anywhere outside the last 80 years. <laughs> like this is 1994. You know, the kids should be asking for their Sega Saturns and that we should see them making <laughs> laser these. Making Mrs. Doubtfire on laser disc there on the, the Santa Claus 2. Like, where's my Palm Pilot, Santa? Where's my no, Lion King to- toys? Like, this is a Disney movie. Shouldn't they be making like Simbas and Mustafas or Mufasa? That's what he was called. Mustafa. That was a character from Mustafa. Austin Powers, wasn't it? Will Ferrell's character from Austin Powers. <laughs> I'm Mustafa, not Mufasa. <laughs> yeah, I want, like, realistic toys in a Santa Claus. When we get to two, I want to see a Palm Pilot. When we get to three, I want to see, I don't know, uh, an early Blu-ray of the Santa Claus trilogy or something. <laughs> um but, like, again, I just love the fact that these elves are being, like, dicks to him. Like, what do I do if I fall off the river? you got to go Bernard just looking all smug in the background, like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I like kind of the <laughs> this scene where, like, you know, this uh, is our perpetrator, or whatever they say, and they're like, oh, he'd probably be dressed as Santa Claus or whatever it yeah. is. <laughs> but I, I like how they've got, like, that chalkboard where he's, like, drawing the street, and you see, like, there's a little house there that says, Donut Shop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it says got, got patrol car parking out the front. Like Jesus Christ, you know. Let's go on the stereo. There's even a worse scene to come yet with that. Um, but I kind of like this little montage. Uh, what is it like? ZZ Top or whatever it is. Give me all your loving or whatever it is. Which is kind of a weird song to have for a kids movie, but okay, it works. Um, we get a nice little strut. strut of them walking up, doing some dance moves. Um, you get this very inept Smallville PD-esque uh, police force just arresting any Santa Claus walking down the street. <laughs> it's a rental! <laughs> um, and then for some reason, uh, Comet has given him a rope in case he falls off the roof. Um, which, like, does he just have to wear this all the time when he goes down, like, a, you know, a chimney or something like that? Um, we see old... We see Sad Neil with his, uh, you know, Charlie stocking, which can I just say, that's very dangerous. He's hanging that over the burning fire. Like, that's going to catch fire, if you ask me. I was thinking the same thing, yeah. Um, you know, Charlie and, and Scott taken off in their kind of, they've got upholstered seats now in their sleigh, um, <laughs> which, you know, sure. Uh, and then I like the lineup that kind of Laura looks at with all the Santa Claus, and you just got the dumb ones who just don't turn to the left or whatever it is, um, or the right. Um, what else have we got going on here? Oh, the cookie cocoa dispenser. Uh, I kind of like it when he says, like, oh, and there's this CD, compact disc. All right. He's like, no. <laughs> cookie cocoa dispenser. Uh, what does he say? Like, how could I do this without you? You couldn't. Like, that's just one of the little yeah. Charlie lines that gives me the shits. Uh, well, I'm just lumping else in here. Uh, he sees a little girl again. You're fatter this year. Like, again, more of the fat shaming. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you've grown too. Uh, and I love the bit when But he's... she hasn't. She, yeah. Like, she's, I swear she's wearing the same pajamas from the first movie. Like, does this kid not age? I think she's missing the same teeth too. Like, I mean, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. How long does it take her teeth to grow back? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the bit when he's drinking the milk and he's kind of got that face. He's like... I think the milk is a little sour. <laughs> it's soy milk. You said you were lactose intolerant. <laughs> so funny. It's like, I did say that, didn't I? Now go to sleep. <laughs> it's 
Oh, God, just clever. Uh, Then, meanwhile, we go... He ends up um, at the Miller's house where the police actually do their job and arrest him. So, that's pretty, you know, standard. And uh, poor old Charlie's left on the sleigh on the roof and all the kids are going off at him uh, out the front. Don't arrest Santa! Uh, I mean, I guess I'll kind of leave it there. Um, anything you want to add kind of before we get to the end? I'm really rushing through the end here. No, I mean, we have a lot of very quick scenes here that, you know, last for about 15 seconds. Like, uh, it's sort of just a long montage. Uh, I do like all the ones in there with, uh, you know, the, the fire suit and then what if I fall off the roof? Which I always, here's something I always found funny. I don't know if Tim Allen had a dialect coach here because when you watch Home Improvement, it must be, you know, from whatever region he's from. Um, I think he's originally from Colorado or something like that, but then moved to Michigan. Could be one of those. On Home Improvement, he always pronounced it roof, which roof. I've heard other Americans pronounce that, but then I hear some Americans pronounce it the way that, you know, we do here in Canada, which is roof. In this movie, he's pronouncing it as roof, but every other time, Home Improvement or anything else, Tim Allen's always like, roof, what if I fall off the roof? And <laughs> it's just, it's it sounds weird to me, and this is probably... You know, the one time where a lot of people listening to this in America are going to be like, a Canadian is making fun of my accent. You know? <laughs> uh, but it's it, it, here he says it, roof, which uh, I like. So uh, roof must be the proper way. How would you pronounce it? Roof or rough? Roof. Uh, there r- you go. Isn't what rough what a dog makes? Isn't that the sound they make? I know. And yet I've heard not only just Tim Allen, but other people in America pronounce it the rough. Rough. No, I've never heard. Yeah, that's interesting. That's kind of like one of those little well, things do- where like you would say... Um, like, you know, our lost rewatches when they keep saying instead of Aaron, they're saying Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. Uh, and you say, like, uh, instead of Daniel Craig, you usually say, like, Daniel Craig. And it's like, isn't yeah, it Craig. Daniel Craig? <laughs> well, it sounded like you just said the same thing there, so I don't know what you're talking about. Craig? That sounds like Craig? <laughs> I mean, do, do I say it as Craig or Craig? Because I think it's Craig. Uh, it kind of sounds like to us you're saying Craig, but when you say it slower, it sounds like Craig, Craig. <laughs> We're just hitting each other's accents now. <laughs> potato, How do you potato. say Père Noël? Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, like, you're like Pierre Noël. <laughs> what does he say? Like, ho ho, Jibo. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the famous scenes in the movie, um, which we're not there yet, so I don't know why no. we're talking about it. <laughs> Well, let's just cover that too. Do you like the Chris Kringle Pierre Noel scene? I, I just like the uh, the honest trailer bit where they make fun of it, where they're like, "Would they make this movie believe that Tim Allen wouldn't crack under police pressure?" Look it up, people. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess kind of. I mean, we can just kind of lump that into it because I mean, it really just from after he's in the cop car and we kind of get that shot on the roof, at uh, the roof uh, of Charlie looking all sad. Um, we get ELFS deployed. I hate this. Like, I love this movie, but this just gives Because whoever this kid is, the main one, this is one of those little shit kid actors that just gives me the shits. Like, they just overact, and it's like, L agree. With attitude. Like, and it, look, I'm going to be... This is a horrible thing to say, and I apologize in advance. Is this a boy or a girl? It's a boy. I okay, think. all right. I've never known. Like, I've just... Like, <laughs> Some moments they look like a girl, the other they look like a boy, alright? Like, I don't know, like, what it is, but this kid just gives me the shits. Like, we we feel that, like, we can get in places further if we can fly. 
uh, tinsel. It's not just for decoration. Like, shut up! Oh, yeah, he's really annoying. <laughs> like, uh, really annoying. Um, but we do, we, yeah, we do have, like, the Sanderson. I do love it when he's just, like, going on, he's, like, dropping all these names. And I love just, like, you're talking about kind of just the subtle Tim Allen sort of, like, facial expressions. Like, I love the bit <laughs> when he's, like, saying all the names and he's doing that little laughing face. Um, and it's yeah. like, okay, maybe a night in the lockup will make you change your mind. Um, like this is like pretty dumb. Like, why? What is this cop even doing? Like, I know you're Scott Calvin. You know you're Scott Calvin. Is this like yeah. a? Is this a thing in the Chicago PD or the suburbs of Chicago that we can't process you unless you admit to your name? Does that mean that like I could go around murdering fifty people and I could call myself like Jim Jones? I'm like, no, nah, my name's Ben. I don't know a Jim Jones. I oh, will can't arrest you. Good night. <laughs> you pick Jim Jones as this is the name that'll get me off of my crimes. <laughs> Google Jim Jones, Ben. <laughs> oh, is this like a real person? Uh. <laughs> yeah, this is like uh, somebody the the equivalent of you know cult leader Scott oh. Calvin. Here. <laughs> I just googled him. Oh, the Jonestown massacre. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean I, that was just honestly just came off the top of my head, but I didn't realize that was him. Oh, awkward. Like, uh, this guy, I love that. God, I'm really, like, I'm either turning gayer into, like, some sort of mass murder on this show, aren't I? You know, it's between Hitler and me perving on men. I mean... (laughs) And horses. (laughs) Oh, that's fine. That's just normal. Like, you're you're the non-normal one, not thinking that horse was sexy. Um, Yeah. But, um... I like the fact that when these uh, elves land on the roof and kind of take Charlie away, you've got, like, dumbass cop in the car with his coffee. (laughs) Just like, duh. (laughs) And there's some bad effects there, too, when they fly overhead. Oh, yeah. They, they, they do not hold up. These kids fly off. I don't even really want to talk about ELFS. They just give me the absolute shits. Well, I got lots to talk about ELFS. Um, I'll let you do all the talking. <laughs> when, like, they show up to the cop shop, uh, what what cop is sitting at his desk? What time is this? Like, 10 o'clock at night? Like, he's sitting there reading a Mills and Boone novel. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, he sees the door open. It's like, what are you kids doing here? We're not kids. And we're not visiting. It's like, shut up! <laughs> like, hate the way he talks. He really... I'm looking at this now. That is such a girly-looking kid. Like, that is such a girl. What does he look like now? Uh, uh, what is his name? I did look it up. What is his name? Who is who he? Is, who is he? Um, <laughs> Kenny v- Vadas. Uh, he's Canadian. All right. Uh, <laughs> He was in Goosebumps. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. And so, anyway, um, I love it when they're like here, like, oh, we're here to break him out. Like, you're, you're, the, you're the Calvin boy. Uh, who are these other kids? And then they, like, go around the desk. Great police work. They really are. They, like, jizz all over him with ribbon. It looks so inappropriate. <laughs> the way, like, it's coming from their belts. It just looks like those kids are having two problems. Oh, sorry, I forgot the famous, we're elves with Attitude. Attitude. (laughs) Like, come on. And then what does this cop say when he gets spins around? Oh, I shouldn't have had that donut or whatever it was. And then gets the donut shoved in his face. He's familiar, that guy. Like, he's off something, isn't he? Yeah. 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 I think he was in something else with Kenny Battis. (laughs) (laughs) Their great on-screen chemistry led to many other castings after this. Uh, anyway, so like, they break out Scott uh, with tinsel, not just for decoration. Um, oh. I do, I do like that guy. I do like that guy in the, the cell, though. Can I have some of that tinsel? Yeah. <laughs> I missed that line for probably the first like four years. This movie was out. 
Yeah, and who is he? I'm looking at him now. He's got like this. He looks all properly dressed with like white scarf on. Like, what is this guy doing in jail? Like, where's the spin off guy in jail from the Santa Claus? Like, <laughs> it's like a lost Disney flashback. Disney wasn't interested. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, uh, at the Miller's house, Neil and Laura are making like some weird wrap with like grass in it. What are they even making? Like, is that some sort of North American dish that I'm meant to know what it is? Do you know what that is? Oh, it's a pita. You've never eaten a pita? I don't like pita. Oh, pita. We call it pita. Pita patter. Whatever. <laughs> pita patter. Um, but like on Christmas Eve? Like, really? <laughs> I mean, they don't have anybody to celebrate with. You know, the ex-husband <laughs> just kidnapped their child. Oh, well, anyway, so they show up. The cops, for whatever reason, so they've gotten Scott. They've gotten the kid. Okay, fair enough. So he's escaped from jail. Now, let's just kind of go over Scott Calvin's crime here. Kidnapping a child for, like, a month. <laughs> and now he's broken out of jail. Now, where are the SWAT teams? Like, they're so slow in getting to his house. Like, I've seen how American cops work. Like, just the convenience of a Disney movie. They're just basically like, oh, we'll be a bit slow so we can have this nice scene between them at the house. And poor old Laura and Neil are just calm about this, aren't they? Like, oh, you just kidnapped him and now you're out of jail because you escaped. Oh, that's fine. (laughs) Like, they should be terrified. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's a nice little scene. Scott's obviously saying, like... um, you know, I can't be selfish. You've got to, you know, stay here with your mum. And, you know, we're a family. Yourself. Your mum. And Neil. Neil. <laughs> <laughs> and he's look on Judge Reinhold's face. Oh, poor little, poor little Neil. But, um, and this is kind of the realisation from Laura and Neil that he is Santa. Um, and then, uh, Neil, what does he say? Like, he's sucking us into his illusions. Like, is when Bernard yeah. shows up. <laughs> And he, I love it when he's like, where'd he go? And he just like runs away like with Neil. We learn obviously the, the um the what do you call it, the crystal ball thing that he got. If he shakes it, his dad will come back and see him. Um And I do like the line from uh, Scott when he says like, you know, oh, and your mum thought I'd never amount to anything. <laughs> like when it's like, oh, you are too, Santa. Uh she burns the custody papers. Basically, this is all good now. Like, let's ignore the kidnapping. Let's ignore the escape from jail. The cops are fine with this. It's all good. It's a Disney movie. It's got to have a happy ending. <laughs> Meanwhile, you and I are working out, why do they give up so easily on the crime? What's the economy like <laughs> at the North Pole? Uh, <laughs> How do they get plumbing down there? <laughs> do they get the internet? Uh, <laughs> did they build a sewage system? Have they got Netflix? Uh, <laughs> Uh, does, does Justin Trudeau go there for, like, visits to make sure, that, you know, like, on election day? Like, oh, I vote for me, make sure that the North Pole keeps working. Number one for Canada's economy, eh? Uh, does Canadian his, economy. Does his bum look good in his pants when he's at the North Pole so Australia can get excited? Um, I will say... I, Anybody know it's Justin Trudeau if he has his shirt on because it's too cold to take it off at the North Pole? <laughs> Where's the Justin Trudeau butter statue of him at the North Pole <laughs> holding a panda? Uh, <laughs> where's Justin Trudeau, my Canadian Prime Minister husband, calendar at the North Pole? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, does Mrs. Claus have a Trudeau calendar on the wall? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, one thing I'll say like, about the effects, like going back to what I was saying about how like, he looks good when he's like fat, but when he's actually done up as Santa like with his beard and his hair and like the suit, like it actually looks really good. 
Um, and that suit, like, uh, kind of back sort of right at the beginning when we see it was sort of old and everything like that. Like, I don't know, you actually kind of just look at the at- attention to detail on this suit. I just think this whole thing looks great. And Tim Allen looks like Santa. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I guess anyone could look like Santa if they look like that. Um, I couldn't because no kids should sit on my lap. But, um... <laughs> Is that a warning? <laughs> now I'm just playing along with the Benzapetto joke. Like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I'm just buying into everything. Uh, uh. <laughs> so he goes up. Uh, I love it when the cops finally arrive up. Like, he's already up the chimney. Um, and then, like, you cut outside the house. You've got, like, these sniper cops. There's one, somebody's got, like, a gun pointed at the door. Then as the Santa sleigh takes off, there's no way they're not firing at this thing. Like, this is America. Mm-hmm. They are opening fire <laughs> at this guy flying. But they're like, oh, no, it's a Disney movie. Don't fire. It's all good. Um, and then he drops down uh, the presents. You know, Laura gets a mystery date game. And <laughs> Neil, my weenie whistle. <laughs> I love how he says that and he blows it. And his... all Charlie gets is a soccer ball. Yeah, bloody hell. Look at all, all the stuff he got the year before. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I also like, do you notice the um, like the elves that are kind of watching on? And that's kind yeah. of like a thing that's like, what, I guess, a, is it an Easter egg or something like that? It's kind of elves are scattered through the world. Because I always used to wonder, like, why do they have pointy ears? But then I, like, you know, grow up and like, oh, they're meant to be elves. I get it. You know why? Yeah. They're um, like Spectre. They have people everywhere. <laughs> They're obviously not rostered on that day. On Christmas Eve! <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, we kind of, we see the overhead shot of like the, the cops and it kind of fades into the, the Christmas ball. It's kind of a, it's a nice little shot. It kind of doesn't age that well, but it still kind of looks cool. Charlie's shaking his ball. That sounds inappropriate, but you know what I mean. Uh, waiting for, for Santa to arrive and then... What does he say, like, when he flies back down? It's like, you missed me already? I was on the way to Cleveland or whatever. And then kind of it's like, you know, oh, come for one more ride. And he gets up in the, the thing and it's like, oh, just not over near the ocean, Scott. Scott, Santa. Scott, Scott. <laughs> Santa. And then uh, off off he goes. Um, and we get a weird Christmas song on the credits. Uh, and apparently, if you look at the moon, which I never really can see, there's a silhouette of Mickey Mouse on the moon as a, ah. a as a tree, which it's not really that obvious if they're trying to do it. But anyway, uh, so that's the Santa Claus. I really lumped over that at the end. Uh, I just avoided wanting to talk about ELFS because they suck. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll talk about ELFS and also just kids in this movie. Um, <laughs> first, <laughs> my, my biggest issue is, and this is a plot hole that took me like a decade to notice, uh, so I'm not going to blame anybody else for not getting it. But once you notice it, it almost ruins the entire final act of the movie. Santa's already delivering presents to several homes. It's not just Charlie's home first. You know, let's hit, hit it early. He's already dropped out a little Karen's present and everything. Um, when they arrest him, every kid in the neighborhood's out, not even in their pajamas. Like, they're all still wide awake. Like, this is 5.30 in the evening and he's dropping out presents. Like, the kids are supposed to be asleep. <laughs> And then we know several hours pass, and they're still wide awake outside watching this all go on. So it's just it 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 it's, it makes no sense to me now that, that it's been well, it wasn't pointed out to me since I noticed it. But it, I almost can't even watch the rest of this movie because I'm just thinking, like, how early is this? Four thirty in the afternoon? Because <laughs> the kids are wide awake, and you could say, oh, well, they heard the commotion of the police. The kids are outside when the police show up. They're just sort of you know sitting there building their snowmen and look over. And I'm like, well, Karen has like a 3.30 p.m. bedtime apparently because she's the only <laughs> child in the world asleep right now. Uh, that's a, a minor complaint. Um, that's a good point. Well, not minor. It, 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 
It angers me still to this day. <laughs> You've ruined the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Forget it. We're canceling Christmas. Yeah, it's done. Screw it. We're watching Jingle All the Way. <laughs> um. Also, I don't understand why Karen's on the other side of the line here. We're not Karen. <laughs> Karen? Who's Karen? Karen is... Every little bit. This Karen is the new Adam. It's Adam and Karen. If you don't know what it is, um, Judy. Judy. Oh, Judy. All oh, right, Judy. Yeah, it's okay. Like your two-way radio straight to Judy. What the girl who works in the kitchen? What's she gonna do if there's an emergency to get arrested? <laughs> the short staff that Judy, night, Colin. Judy. She's trained. She's training uh, combat ops. <laughs> yeah, like, Santa, Judy, over. Santa, over. Some, Defcon three. <laughs> Somebody's choking me. They're trying to throw me off the roof. <laughs> Hold on, Santa. I got a cocoa delivery in the East Wing. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> What's she going to do for him? <laughs> they should be going straight to ELFs because those guys are efficient. <laughs> but I will agree with you. Like, I love everything about this movie. And, you know, when we get to the Santa Claus 2, I love everything about that movie with the exception of a few things. With this, I love everything about this movie. ELFs I can forgive, <laughs> but... I don't like it, like, especially this, I think it's just the kid. The idea would be fine because we already mentioned, you know, that we like the fact that uh, this movie is kind of taking all the Santa mythology and then updating it as if, if this were realistically 1994, you know, you, you Santa would say, hey, fax me your list. And, yeah. uh, you know, there would be, you know, some electronics uh, on the dashboard of his sleigh and flame retardant suits and stuff like that. Um, the ELFS makes sense and I like the gimmick, but the kid just ruins it. I'm not going to say all the kid, the kid, Mr. <laughs> Kenny Vadis here. Kenny Vadis, whoever you are, just do us a favor and drop dead, please. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Can we re-edit this movie and put him like in that flame retardant suit, but it's like test one and yeah, it exactly. doesn't work. <laughs> so like, I'm happy that he's dying. Colin's happy that he's getting burnt to death. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Every line he has, just I'm so glad you said that because I, for years, I wouldn't even bring it up because I remember growing up, I would often say that, like, man, this is an annoying little kid. Oh, what an ugly child. And people would look at me, you know, like, <laughs> I just, you know, like, like I don't know, uh, peed all over. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say what I think, where I was going to say with that because I don't want to get in Ben territory here. But, oh, thanks. But. <laughs> But, like, if you just did, like, something completely revolting and inappropriate, you know, you, you, you whipped it for, out in front of the Queen of England or something. I don't know. <laughs> I always what wanted to say. What the hell is say, this kid doing? Like, hi, Queenie, look at this. <laughs> no, I'm not saying Kenny Vadis is whipping it out in front of the Queen of England. Who I'm is? saying it's like, I, I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> you're totally not following what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> like, the fact, if I would say, oh, what an ugly child, what an annoying kid, people would look at me as if, I just whipped it out in front of the Queen of England. Like, oh. that. you don't do that. <laughs> I thought you said, like, you wanted him to, like, go to the Queen and be like, sup, Lizzie, yeah. look at this. Look at my, look at my dog. Really... <laughs> we had to work... The whole reason for this rant was to work the word dong into every episode. And Kenny Vadas has a little dong, let's be honest. It hasn't grown yes, since this movie. <laughs> if he even has one, because some people still think he's a girl, apparently. Well, look, he's, he's a bit of both, all right? Like, he's got both. <laughs> He's interchangeable. <laughs> He's like a transformer. This is what happens when we cover a Disney movie. We get more inappropriate than any other episode we've ever done. I just um, can I just really interrupt you and just say I love what Kenny Vadas's Wikipedia page 
It says, he acted in several made-for-television movies and is famous for his role as the ELF's second-in-command lead in the Disney blockbuster Santa Claus with Tim Allen, in which he saved Santa and his son Charlie and is quoted frequently for his line in the movie, where your worst nightmare, elves with attitude. Like, what? Like, what does it say in Wikipedia? Like, no one says that. Can we find the Santa Claus quotes Twitter page that you found? Oh, yes, yes. Just (laughs) scroll down and find one Kenny Vadis line here. Just one. And then... (laughs) All we want you to do, we'll just we'll encourage everybody to find that one tweet and just I don't know spam whoever wrote it. Like do like gifts of white you, people vomiting. Yeah, or somebody whipping up in front of the Queen of England, like just something really <laughs> inappropriate. Okay? But anyways, like I always wanted to be like this kid is so annoying, and you're the first person I've heard say that. And it's almost like I suddenly don't have to feel ashamed that I have hatred for a child anymore. <laughs> Welcome to the Oz Network. We're just going to bash on children for the next twenty minutes. But seriously, every line he has, like, elves with attitude, you know, tinsel, not just or whatever. It's just, oh, just smack the kid. Or just, oh. <laughs> like, child abuse is not on. But for this kid, no. it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Yes. <laughs> I found we it. The they tweeted on December the 9th, the Santa Claus, at Santa Claus 1994, where your worst nightmare, elves with attitude. <laughs> and two people have replied, Andrea R at riotgirl1160. One of my favourite lines and scenes in the movie, <laughs> followed by sequel rights at sequel rights. Classic ELFS intimidation tactics one oh one. What? Okay. This is not quite to the extent of the odd network hijacks Joan Allen's Twitter page to announce <laughs> she has a large dong. But Ben, you need to send a drop dead tweet to these people, <laughs> including that quote. All right, what, 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 what am I just? Am I just replying with "I'll oh, drop dead"? <laughs> yeah, with a with like drop a dead. Vatus with you. <laughs> okay, hang on. Oh, drop dead and take Kenny Vatus <laughs> with you, and I'm going to put like a gif of someone vomiting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which which I've found plenty. Uh. <laughs> um, as Ben's doing that, and you're all looking through, can, can you tell them where they could find it? Uh, was it Santa Claus at quotes? Santa Claus 1994. And if you go back to December 9th of 2017, they've tweeted that. They also put the um, there's another ELFS quote which uh, was still shit. Um, or you can go to at NYC55David and click on Tweets and Replies, <laughs> and you will see that I have replied with it. <laughs> um, yeah, also, the, don't ever do this without elf supervision. Ooh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> just... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll move on. I just I had to get that out of my system, because I've been waiting to... You know, go years. off on my... Yeah. <laughs> and again, I like the ELFS... Thing. I just don't like Mr. Kenny Vadis. I'm here. with you. I like the idea of it. It's just dumb. Yeah. This kid. Also, what is the lettering on their jackets? Because I obviously couldn't spell for years, and I thought it was like <laughs> North Pole PD, like NPPD, but it actually looks like NDPD. But then I looked closer and I realized it says NOPO. But uh-huh. obviously, the whole idea is that it's supposed to be like a, 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 like a badge. You know, NYPD, LAPD, you know? And NOPO, 
is what it actually says. Like, why not just port like NPPD and it's just, oh, I get it, North Pole PD. But what is no post supposed to mean? Or is, or is it supposed to be like NATO? I don't know what the, the whole joke is. It's just It's confusing to me, no pole. Well, I mean, this is going back to our point that they obviously do have a PD up there at the North Pole and this is like the the SWAT version, I guess. <laughs> like, no pole. North what? Pole. Like, they've just separate, like, it's trying to be like, uh, yeah. well, it's, I guess it's like, what, Soho? Isn't that, what, Southern Harlem or something like that? Or, like, it's they're trying to make it trendy? There's a whole thing here in Australia, in, in Melbourne, they're trying to, like, do, like, like, um, shorten suburb names to make it sound like Soho and things like that. So yeah. I guess that's what it is, Nopo. So Kenny Vadis and his crew of North Pole hipsters have to try to abbreviate the North Pole to Nopo. <laughs> Seriously, Kenny Vadis? Like, let's just blame him for everything wrong oh. with this movie and the next two. Let's blame him for everything wrong in the world. Just like... In the world, yeah. You know what? You know who we have to thank for Hitler? It's Kenny Vadis, okay? So I now you know who to blame. Kenny Vadis. Like, just he Kenny started Vattis. it. Yeah. Yep. You know, Donald dirty, Trump, Kenny Vattis. Dirty Dancing, Kenny Vattis. Yeah. <laughs> With all him. Star Wars The Last Jedi, Kenny Vattis' fault, okay? <laughs> I was about to say that. Like, Leia floating in space, Kenny Vattis, dumb. <laughs> and can we just say, little kids using the force to grab their broom and sweep the floor is the final shot? <laughs> Kenny Vattis' fault, okay? Stupid horse Harry Potter looking things, Kenny Vattis. <laughs> We hope everybody's seen the movie at this point. Yeah, did, did we not say at the beginning of this episode that we hadn't seen Star Wars yet? Um, it's been a long episode, people. <laughs> we took a break, went and saw it, and came back and recorded the rest. So that's how it goes. As we end this episode, and we've gone from Ben at the beginning saying, I've never seen the sequels, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you know, when we get to part three, I got some real complaints. <laughs> Uh, ruining the illusion of three-hour podcasts. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Did I have anything else on Nopo Elves here? Uh, I do love that. Can I get some of the tinsel? It's just because it's a background line, and I always find those funny. It was like, you have to listen really closely to get it. Uh, I love the final scene. Like, There's some really nice moments in this, and I think um, maybe I was kind of underestimated. It wasn't until we brought up the makeup of Mrs. Doubtfire I realized that this movie kind of is just Christmas Mrs. Doubtfire here. I mean, <laughs> it's you know, comedic hero of the 90s goes underneath you know makeup transformation and a divorce story. I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire probably did handle the divorce story uh, just as well. I feel like this handles it a little bit better because it's dealing more like at no point do you expect in Mrs. Doubtfire the parents are going to get back together. Uh, or even that this, you know, affects the kids that much. It's just sort of like, well, this is what I have to do to see my children. They don't even know who he is. I just, I love the way this movie handles it. And this, this final scene where she does, you know, burn the, um, the custody papers or whatever is really nice. Just the slow realization when he was like, Santa. And then he's like, he's sucking us into his delusions. Yeah. (laughs) And this is again where Neil's like, don't buy into it. Listen to me. And he's using his, like, Jedi mind trick hand wave. Um, <laughs> I love how he sounds so evil sweater. all of a sudden. Listen to me. <laughs> stare at the sweater. You're getting sleepy. <laughs> there is no Santa Claus, Charlie. There is only Neil. <laughs> May the force be with you. <laughs> Luke, I'm your father. Bye-bye. I hate them. Uh, anyway. I hate all of them. <laughs> I hate the sands. It's all everyone's fault. I hate no po. <laughs> Uh, I will say the one line that gets me. What was the line you said of uh, Charlie's that you, you don't like? 
oh, he is too Santa, or like, um, no, lots. There's a few lines of Charlie's that I don't like. The other one, for um, me, it's uh, and, and which one was it? I can't remember. The one actually I didn't mention is <laughs> the one actually I should have brought up. I hate the bit when he's like, "No, I'm going into the family business," which is yeah. which, which which is uh, the honest trailer points out. So it's like, what? So he's going to kill his dad? <laughs> he knows how to do it now. It's, he does. This is Neil's master plan. You know, Neil in the middle of the night is like, "Charlie, you will bide your time." You'll wait for the right moment, and then you'll strike. You'll push Scott Calvin off the roof, and you will be Santa Claus. This is the plot of... We're just reciting the plot of Santa Claus 3 right now, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, no, I don't like that whole, I'm going into the family business. It's just his delivery again. I don't mind the line, but the whole last scene's so good where he delivers. There's something about these movies that, even though I'm in no way an emotional person with movies, I almost feel like you know it's a bit of a tearjerker you know, when... Everybody realizes he's Santa, and he delivers the presents. And you know, there's similar moments in part two. I'm like, wow, what a nice moment in a movie. And I think that's one of the reasons this whole movie works. It's, it's just a nice story. It, it, it's it's like you know your your typical like big hilarious like Christmas Vacation or a Christmas Story, uh, where it's just like hilarious moment after hilarious moment. But then it has like a lot of heart to it. Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to be you know missing a lot when we get to the end of this trilogy. But, like, this movie has so much heart to it. Like, here we have Charlie, you know, Ben's arch nemesis, you know, <laughs> children. <laughs> um, Yours old and people. Ben, yeah, and mine <laughs> old people. Um, and here we have, you know, 900-year-old children. I mean, this is basically Ben and I should hate this movie, and we love it. So, something about this movie works. It's the magic of Tim Allen and Judge Reinhold and Kenny Vadis drop dead. Oh, Kenny Vadis. Um... Yeah, so that's the Santa Claus. I mean, this was a, a huge box office uh, hit, we should say. I mean, it made uh, nearly $200 million worldwide, basically, $189 million worldwide, $144 million alone um, in the US. Uh, so, yeah, huge hit. It was the uh, fourth biggest grossing film of 1994, uh, which could you name me the top three, Colin Hilding, without looking? Uh, well, Lion King, Forrest Gump, and True Lies. Correct. Look at you, straight Correct. off the thing there. Uh, Dumb and Dumber was six for those playing at home who wanted to know. Um, what do you? That was for Jim Carrey. He had what? The Mask and Dumb and Dumber, an Ace Ventura pet detective, all in and the Ace same Ventura, year. Yeah. What a year! Wow. Um, so yeah, huge, huge hit. I love hearing Box Office Mojo that when they have like the you know the rankings. So like this is you know the the highest ranking film when it comes to the Santa Claus franchise, the highest rated film from 1994 that was rated PG and overall it is the fourth highest ever rating film for comedy Fat Suit uh, <laughs> <laughs> only behind Mrs. Doubtfire that wasn't really a fat suit um, and Austin Powers in Gold Member and Austin Powers in The Spy Who Shagged Me so oh, that's a lose out to those two uh, critically as well, um, generally positive reviews. It has 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and the overall consensus is that the Santa Claus is utterly undemanding, but is firmly rooted in the sort of good old fashioned holiday spirit missing from too many modern Yuletide films. Um, I mean, that's a, a nice way of putting it, I guess. I'm just looking here sort of on the, uh, the overall sort of comparisons to the other sequels. So Metacritic 2, it's got, um, what, a 57. But, like, compared to Santa Claus 2 and Santa Claus well, 3, Jesus Christ, that has a lot of bad reviews. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find a, a specific um, review here, but I kind of... Oh, yeah, there's a few on Rotten Tomatoes. There's actually a lot Peter more. Peter Travers. Is there Peter, do you have Peter Travers as there? No, I was just asking if you had Peter no, Travers. No, I have um, Michael Wilmington from the Chicago Tribune who says, a feeble attempt to revive the tradition of heartwarming family seasonal comedies that gave us Miracle on 34th Street, It's Wonderful After Bells and Samaria's and many others. Well, that doesn't really give us much. Um, oh, somebody here. Zach Heston from Filming Quest. This is a negative review. The Santa Claus is a failure as a holiday movie. It promotes negative aspects of the season and attempts to have you cheer disgusting, irritating people. Like yourself, Zach Heston. Kenny Shut Vattis. up! That's oh, dumb. I was Kenny Vattis again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and well, a positive one here. Jeff Shannon from the Seattle Times says this is Alan's movie debut, debut, and it's easy to see why his show is a rating smash. There's an effortless quality to his humour, but it's also quietly urgent edge to it. That's a nice review. Um, yeah, so I mean, obviously, fairly success- successful. Uh, I'm just looking here. People who like this movie might also like Sister Act, Mrs. Doubtfire, Three Men and a Baby. And Angels in the Outfield. Do you remember that movie? I remember that movie. Oh, that was a great movie. Was a, I like that movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anything really you want to add before I guess we, we move into... I mean, it, it spawned two sequels, which we're about to cover. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the movie, it was huge when it came out, and yet it didn't even open number one. I, I, I remember this was right around the time where I was really paying attention a lot to movies, you know, outside of just, oh, that looks like a cool movie. You know, and actually following, well, look at how much money this movie made. And I remember Interview with the Vampire came out the first week. And, like, Interview with the Vampire had, like, this huge opening weekend in Santa Claus number two. And I remember as a huge Tim Allen fan thinking, oh, that's too bad. Santa Claus wasn't that big of a hit. And then it just didn't go away. And it ended up as one of the highest grossing movies of the year. Uh, it, it is interesting when it talked about, I can't remember if it was one of the positive reviews there that said, you know, it was a refreshing uh, for a Christmas movie, especially that time period. I mean, outside of Home Alone, what really did we have in the first half of the 90s as far as memorable Christmas movies? I mean, The Muppet Christmas Carol, maybe, but it's not, it's not like an original story. Mm. I think this movie really did revive Christmas movies as you know something for kids because I think Home Alone was something different. It didn't have to be a Christmas movie for you to get Home Alone. Uh, and you know, Muppet's Christmas Carol, obviously, is something else. But this was just a really original idea and put the spin on it. And it's kind of unusual in that maybe a lot like Home Alone, it had a way of reaching adult audiences and kid audiences, which is why both of us can still talk about it and love it as much now as we did, you know, uh, 20, however many years 23. ago, 23 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, good math there. Thank you. I, uh, I also want to say... One uh, an episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I also want to say, you talk about what year Jim Carrey had in 1994. I mean, we could already talk about Tim Allen. He had the number one, as we said, number one show on TV, mm. number one movie with this, and the number one bestseller on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, but what about Judge Reinhold? I mean, <laughs> in one year, the Santa Claus, Beverly Hills Cop 3, and an episode of Lonesome Dove, the TV series. Oh. So it didn't get much bigger than that, unless you were Jim Carrey. Or Tim Allen, it doesn't get bigger than Judd Reinhold, 1984. Robbed of an Emmy nomination. Um, just, what a weekend. November 11 to 13, 1994. So, you already mentioned. Number one movie, Interview with the Vampire, followed by the Santa Claus. But, like, let's go back to that weekend, Colin, and see what we could have seen that weekend. We could have seen Stargate. Yeah. We could have seen Pulp Fiction. We could have seen Forrest Gump. The River Wild. Uh, the oh. Mask. The Shawshank Redemption. Clerks. Um... Yeah, that was a that was a busy weekend. The River Wild, we need this to do that. Something. 
This is something we have to start doing on these episodes. Go through what the competition was and what other movies are. Because that's probably one of the reasons why I, I, at this age, was also paying a lot of attention to, you know, movies just in news and media. Because look at all the stuff that was out at this point. And I, I can remember that whole era, you know, the fall and the end of 1994, and just how many movies at the time that still hold up to this day. You know, movies that some movies people haven't even thought of in a long time, like The oh, River Wild. What a movie. You know, it's just an amazing movie. Yeah, I mean, we, we should just, you know, it would be great if one year we just picked a year and every week covered a new movie that was released that week. That's and good, that's good that idea. was like a year's worth of episodes. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. I mean, The River Wild, I mean, come on. Meryl Streep, Kevin Bacon, Joseph Mazzello, John C. Riley, yeah. was it David Strathairn? Yeah, him. I mean, God, that movie sells itself. Um, and Curtis Hansen, who would go on to do LA Confidential and Wonder Boys and Eight Mile. Um, what's his name? Um, oh, I've gone blank in his name. The, the, the River Cop dude. It was in Miss Congeniality in. Um, also in Doctor Shatner? Strange. No, in Doctor Strange. The guy who, like, got his back broken. Uh, Benjamin... Matt Mickelson? No, 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 no. Oh, Benedict Cumberbatch? No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Benjamin Bratt. Benjamin Bratt, thank you. I knew there was a yeah. Ben in there. <laughs> <laughs> I like Benjamin Bratt. Uh, <laughs> Oh, God. And Aaron from um, 24, Glenn Morshaw was in it. He plays the same in everything. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, all right. uh, Do we even need to rate this movie? We know we're both buying it. Buy it, yeah. (laughs) And I think it is important to put this in context of Christmas movies. So I think we have our rating system, but we're we're going through this week, as we've now decided halfway through the episode. (laughs) This day, basically. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um. That we're going to, you know, uh, go through these and give it our typical ratings. But we should also say in terms of, you know, a Christmas movie, is this one that you have to watch? You already said you watch it every Christmas Eve. I don't always do it just Christmas Eve because I don't always know what I'm doing Christmas Eve or if I'll have time and I never want to. And it's actually because I never want to miss the movie. But I'll always watch it as close to Christmas as I can. And there's probably only a handful of movies that I can say I'm guaranteed to watch it every year. So, I mean, I, I would say, yeah, this is buy it. And in terms of Christmas, this is annual tradition uh, this is the only one that i will 100 percent watch every year like i mean i said about jingle all the way but i even will miss that sometimes so uh this is 100 percent the only one and i'll say that this is my favorite christmas movie so um yeah hands down um and i i never miss this in any year so um yeah and i think i was having a conversation with that recently somebody and i said like this is the greatest christmas movie of all time so um you know that's a big call but uh yeah this is personally my favourite Christmas movie, without any doubt. So, yeah. Which uh, leads us into next week. <laughs> oh, God, The Santa Claus 2. Um, now, at the beginning of this episode, I said I'd only seen it once. Um, we've already ruined the illusion that this is recorded in one sitting. Um, so, I can say that I've seen it again halfway through this episode. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> look, there, there, there were moments in this movie which I was watching it going, okay, maybe this isn't that bad. But the the bad really outweighs the good in this film. Um, and this is, again, I have not seen the Santa Claus 3 yet. Uh, so, I mean, maybe that makes the Santa Claus 2 look like an absolute masterpiece, similar to how, I guess, The Last Jedi kind of makes The Force Awakens better, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, yeah I... Uh, yeah, I'm glad you're hosting it. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I'm glad I am too, because I always love this movie. And what makes it even stranger 
is, uh, you know, at the time that the Santa Claus came out, I was still in an appropriate age where, you know, a Disney family comedy with Tim Allen would appeal to me. And by the time this one came out, we're talking eight years later. I mean, I was uh, you know, older than the target audience <laughs> uh, of a Santa Claus movie. But yet I just remember walking out and thinking, you know, it's not no, nothing's ever going to be better than the first. But there are some things about this movie that I believe do top the first. And there's a couple of scenes in here that if I were to pick my favorite, if I were to pick my single favorite scene in the history of the Santa Claus series, it would actually be a scene from this movie. Uh, or the Santa Claus 2, so we're going to get to. Uh, overall, I will agree with you. There's a couple. I'm, I'm interested to see if we agree on which things are just bad. There's probably only two scenes that I would consider like really bad. I'm like, okay, let's just get on with it. But uh, like, overall, I think it's. I think the movie's a blast. Um, I'm going to have uh, a, a lot of moments. I think in this movie where I'm going to be defending things that Ben wants to rip apart. But uh, there's so many good things about this movie. I think it is an underrated. I'm not going to consider it a Christmas classic, but it's such an underrated sequel that uh, I don't think it gets nearly enough credit. I will say I'm excited to talk about Elizabeth Mitchell. So I'll, I'll yeah, like I do love. Thank me, you. I do one, love me some Juliet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just get Noah on here because I understand Noah hates her. Yeah. Well, uh, we're just about to at our time of recording this about to start season three, so we're about to get some Juliet goodness in Lost, and um, I'm a big Juliet fanboy. So um, yeah. Although let's be honest, Curtis. Hmm. Uh, he might be in Kenny Vadas. Vadas. Well, I've forgotten his name already. Kenny oh, I found the first thing we're going to argue about. I love Curtis. <laughs> oh, I like his sister better. Uh, anyway, all right. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's ne- well, not next week. That's probably tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow the on the Oz Network. <laughs> <laughs> we have not. We were planning and releasing these weekly, but fuck, it's nearly Christmas. So coming Christmas 2019, the Santa Claus too. <laughs> Um, so like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, leave us feedback, tell us why Kenny Vadas sucks, and, uh, yeah, that's about it. My name is Ben, and you you were right about the sweater. (laughs) And my name is Colin, and Kenny Vadas... Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. 